everybody welcome to rick six season three episode five we're back with the weekly nfl picks it is week five i'm joined here by gledhill tonight no precedent unfortunately but gledhill welcome back yeah i'm excited to be back i was looking at the standing of teams there's probably 20 to 25 teams in the league that all have you know legitimate playoff hopes and you know there's maybe six or seven that we look at that are like okay they're not going to make it this year um, you know, they're already off to an Owen, you know, own four start or whatever. They, you know, this just isn't going to be their year. There's a bunch of teams in there, you know, that are even if they're one in three, you know, they still got a, a decent chance, I think. So, I mean, we're just going to start weeding those teams out as we go along. And I'm just really looking forward to excited that the Cowboys are playing well, that they're they pretty much entered the Super Bowl bubble at this point. That's always fun to see. I, I mean, I, I look at their schedule coming up and I think, you know, they're very likely a 12 and five, maybe 13 and four football team. So that's, that's always exciting. Of course, I go back to the pick I made at the beginning or during the preseason when I picked the Washington football team to win the division. Um, I suppose that wasn't a crazy pick. It's not like picking the Giants, but, you know, because Taylor Heineke has been playing, you know, pretty well and Terry McLaurin has been going absolutely off. And their defense is still, you know, it's it's been okay, even though it hasn't been as good as last year. So while that's not a horrible pick, I will, you know, I, I admitted last week that I was wrong on that. The Cowboys are going to win this division. And obviously I'm sticking to that right now. But yeah, anyways, I think there's just a lot more excitement going into this week, you know? Yeah, there is a lot of excitement going into this week for sure. I know, I wish Preston was here. We could talk about some of those games because I, I know he was, uh, last week when you left Gledhill, you didn't get to hear his, uh, his Cowboys take, but he was saying that, uh, we were, we were overconfident going into that Panthers game and that the Panthers were going to shut us down. And then Stephen A was going to go on the next day and laugh about it and, and troll us and say, how about them Cowboys? And, you know, just, you know, typical Cowboys fans getting their hopes up. So I'm really glad that the Cowboys did indeed go in there and take care of business and, and win pretty convincingly. I mean, like looking back on that game, even though we only won by eight points, I think that was a pretty convincing win. I mean, that the, the score was not as close as the actual, as actual game was. I mean, the, they took Trayvon Diggs out after having two picks and they started playing private defense and they were allowing everything over the top. So, you know, Sam Darnold was kind of able to pad his stats a little bit and I'm no way shaming him because he, he, I think he's a really good quarterback and I think he's, he's rising to the occasion right now, but his, his stats were a little inflated late in that game because the Cowboys were just, just got super lazy and super conservative. And so that might be a little bit cause for concern. Hopefully Mike McCarthy and the boys realize that like, they can't do that. I mean, you got to keep the foot on the gas pedal because this offense is capable of scoring 35 points a game easily because that that's how explosive they are. Maybe, maybe they're not as explosive as like a Kansas city or like an LA Rams, but they're, they're definitely a, a very solid offense that, that can score points. And what separates them from a lot of other teams is they can actually run the football really well. So Cowboys looked really good against the Panthers, super excited to see how they look going into the second division game of the season against the giants. But we'll talk about that when we get there. And yeah, I think we should just go ahead and get on into this this week. I mean, obviously we'll talk about some of the, some trades that happened, some people getting released, 
Uh, we'll talk about Stephon Gilmore, talk about Jalen Smith here in a little bit as we go on, but let's go ahead and get on into the Thursday night game tomorrow, Gledhoe, because uh, it's a pretty good one, finally, right? It seems like it's been a couple weeks since we had a good one, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm looking for, I mean, last week, you know, Bengals and Jaguars, obviously that was that was kind of, you know, almost getting the AIDS game of the week out of the way for us. So obviously looking forward to a much better matchup this week. Yep, much better matchup. We always talk about how the NFC West, I say this every single week, guys, and I'm, I'm not kidding when I say it. These teams are going to literally beat the hell out of each other. Like, that's how competitive this division are. You have possible three, four playoff teams right here. They could easily make it. Seattle was able to beat San Francisco, which I didn't think they were going to be able to, to do that, which they, they won by a touchdown. But Russell Wilson, you know, is playing really well right now. He always play, he always lights it up early on in the season. We talked about that. Right now, he currently has nine touchdowns and zero picks through the first four weeks of the season. So, I mean, that's accumulated to what I've been saying about how he always lights it up early on, but just still has never been able to get that MVP. So, Kind of sucks to see it. I mean, he's getting to that point in his career where he's already a veteran and he still has a lot of great elite years of football, but it's just like, will he ever win the MVP? That's that's the only question. But yep, Rams and Seahawks, great division game right here. LA Rams are favored by one and a half spread. I mean, yeah, you know, it's a division game. These teams always play each other super well. So I, I'm not surprised that the Rams are only favored by that little. I'm, I'm still not a big believer in Seattle. I'm not a big fan of that defense. I mean, watching that 49ers game, there there were some plays where they just completely busted coverage. I mean, that goes back to that Debo Samuel play, 75-yard touchdown, literally wide open. And Jamal Adams was kind of, you know, letting those guys know like, hey, like, you know, you can't do that. And so, you know, Seattle's a team that I'm not, I'm not really too high on. But, you know, with these division games, I got to be really hesitant when I pick them because even though I clearly think LA is a way better team than Seattle, that doesn't mean that going into Century League Field with the loud stadium, the loud crowd is going to be hard for it's going to be an easy one. You know, this is going to be a really this this game will probably be within a one score game. And and that's just the bottom line. You can probably expect that to happen. Russell Wilson, 4-0 career record at home on Thursday night football, too. So that just goes along what I'm saying, like this game is most likely going to be close. So. Let's talk about the Rams a little bit. Gledhill, they had a little bit of a stinker against Arizona. You know, you, you, you never, like I said, you never know what those division games, those NFC West matchups, like I said, going to beat the heck out of each other. And the main thing with that game is my biggest takeaway on that game was Arizona showed that they are for real. Kyler Murray is a front runner for MVP. And if he stays healthy, the Cardinals can make some serious noise this season. That shouldn't be surprising because last year they, they started off the season six and three. And they finished eight and eight because Kyler Murray injured his shoulder. And so there is absolutely no reason for no start, arguably the best team in football after smacking the Rams, put nearly 40 on them. They should have made the playoffs last year. So they, you know, this is the year that they're finally putting it together in terms of how far they can go. That will depend on the same as how far their coach will take them. I think they're in a very similar position as the Dallas Cowboys. In my opinion, they have elite QB with Kyler Murray. They have an elite offense. And the Cowboys have the edge on the running game, but I mean, they got James Conner involved. He had two touchdowns against them. They, they also have Chase Edmonds, who I wasn't a big fan of, but he looks like he's splitting carries with James Conner. So that's worked out for them. And I just think that the Cardinals will go as far as Cliff Kingsbury takes them. Uh, so like I said, not a big fan of him right now, but 4-0, they're proving him around. Uh, but going back to that game versus LA, I mean, I, I just can't believe that LA got smacked the way that they did. I'm not surprised that they won. I'm not, I'm not surprised that Arizona won in any shape or form. I'm just more surprised with how LA just got completely smacked that game. They completely got outplayed, maybe even outcoached a little bit, which I never thought I would have said that. But you could just tell the way the mood was going that game, that it wasn't the the game for the LA Rams' favor. I mean, Stafford missed a couple big throws that you don't normally see, threw a couple picks. 
Uh, they couldn't stop Arizona's offense to save their lives. You, you could just feel the way the game was going early on that it wasn't going in their favor. And I, I would say that this is probably good for the LA Rams. You know, they got their first taste of adversity. Me and Gladhill and Preston were saying we're not going to pick against them unless we had a reason to. Maybe now you have a reason to, but I, I think that they're fine. I don't think this is a, a, a team that you have to overreact from just getting smacked by a Cardinals team. The Cardinals are hot. The, the Rams faced their first time of adversity. They didn't go into halftime with the lead because, you know, if they did, they would have won that game. But they're still a top three team in the NFL, and they're still a threat to win that Super Bowl. Don't get it twisted. I expect them to bounce back versus the Seattle team, who I'm not really high on, but I expect this game to be close. That one and a half point spread tells me that this game is going to be close. So I got the LA Rams winning in a very close, nice Thursday night football game. But I'm going to say 30 to 28. I think Matthew Stafford and them boys bounce back. Yeah, I agree. The fact, the fact that the Rams looked as flat as they did last week, you, you can tell early in the game that they did. It, it just, you know, in the NFC West, you know, like you said, it's going to be one of those divisions where these teams, you know, all four of these teams are, you know, pretty legitimate. And now that the Cardinals are 4-0, I mean, they were the team that we looked at and were like, okay, they might be, you know, the odd one out. You know, three of these teams make the playoffs. And now the Cardinals, you know, sit, like, you know, sitting at 4-0, and you know, they might not be the odd team out. Um, they might be, you know, shoot, right now they're on on track to win this division. So um, you really never know. Uh, you guys picked the 49ers last week. I picked the Seahawks. I was buying into Russell Wilson. I, um, you just, you're just never going to know with this division week to week. But the fact that the Seahawks won last week, and the Rams didn't win. I think the Rams are going to be more prepared coming into this game and, you know, maybe have more of a chip on their shoulder rather than, you know, riding high from that Buccaneers win. And then the Seahawks, I just, the reason the Seahawks are not a top 10 team in the league right now, and that top 10 to get in there, I mean, that's, it's pretty tough. I mean, I would say the Raiders are probably on the outside of that top 10 right now too, as well as the Broncos. So I would say the reason the Seahawks aren't a top 10 team is because they don't really do a whole lot well outside of Russell Wilson. You mentioned their defense. You know, O-line could be a little shaky. You question their weapons sometimes. I mean, Russell Wilson is really elevating this team. He's probably elevating his team more than anybody else is elevating, elevating their team. I, I think I made that argument in the past, and I'll probably continue to make it this year. The, re- the reason the Seahawks are going to be in contention is because of Russell Wilson. But I just don't see him winning this game. Um, I think the Rams bounce back with a win. I'm going to go probably 34-27. to 27. Not by any means lopsided, but I do see the Rams winning by about a touchdown. So fair enough, fair enough. Now, Glidhaw, I do have to ask you because you know we talk about how these NFC West teams, you know, that you never know what you're going to see because teams are like just so evenly matched in, in some different ways. Obviously, Seattle's probably—I mean, it's crazy to think that they might be the weakest team in that division. Credit that they did beat the 49ers, but the 49ers now Jimmy G is going to be out, so we're going to see a new revamped offense with Trey Lance, and then their defense—you you can safely say that their defense is better than Seattle, no doubt about it. So there's a lot of toss up between who the best team in the division is. But the question I have for you, Gledhill, is, you know, we talk about all the time, like these teams can beat the heck out of each other. Could that benefit another top team in the NFC going into the playoffs? Because think about it, the Rams are and the the Arizona Cardinals, the 49ers, the Seahawks, you know, they're using all their emotion, you know, all their energy to beat the heck out of each other. By the time they get to the postseason, maybe they'd be a little burned out. Maybe they're not as fresh as some of these other NFC teams. And maybe they can, you know, maybe a team like the Cowboys can catch them uh, on a, on the road and 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 maybe you know upset them. Could could you see something like that happening, like an advantage of an NFC team, maybe like the Cowboys upsetting an LA team, even though they're not better than just because you know they just emotionally are drained from all those NFC West games. Oh, I don't really see that happening. I think all these teams they they prepare week to week. You know, it doesn't really matter whether the Cowboys are playing. You know, 
the Cowboys are playing the Eagles and the Rams are playing the Cardinals, the Cowboys are preparing just as much for their game as as the Rams are preparing for their game. You just never know. I mean, all these teams in the NFL, I mean, they they all have super talented players. You know, at the end of the day, they all have they all have pretty solid coaches at the end of the day because they're NFL coaches. So you got to prepare at a top level if you're if you're going to want to win in this league. And um, I, I think all I think all the teams coming into the playoffs are kind of going to kind of be in the same boat where yeah they're all tired. They've all had a you know, whole 17 game schedule of preparing every single week, and and you know every every team's going to have some injuries. So I think it really just depends on which team is healthier. And you can also make the argument too that you know the Rams they may be more ready going into the playoffs because they had to play some stiffer opponents during the regular season. So you, you can make that argument too. I don't think it's um, a good argument to make that the Rams are going to be burnt out because they had to play a couple extra games against tough opponents. You know, all these teams play tough opponents throughout the season. And um, I think it really just comes down to health and, you know, making sure your game plan is this solid week to week. So that, that'd I be the argument. I agree. I agree. Well said. All right, let's go ahead and move on into the next game. We have the New York Jets going on the road. Well, I shouldn't say going on the road because it's a neutral territory. This is the first London game of the season. The Jets are playing the Falcons. Rookie QBs are 0-4 in London games. Wow, that a negative 78-point differential. That is crazy. So set your fantasy lineups accordingly for this game because this game will be at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Man, I mean, can you imagine being a team on the West Coast having a wake up? I mean, if you, if you, I mean, say you were like, a New York fan that that moved to California and you were a Jets fan and you're like, Oh, I can't wait to watch the Jets play this weekend. And they're playing at freaking six 30 in the morning. You got to wake up and watch them play. Cause they're in London. That's hilarious. But Atlanta's favored by three points. They had a crazy game versus the football team. That game was back and forth. Another game that Atlanta choked in the fourth quarter. I, I feel so bad for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is kind of like a guy. It's it's almost like Matt Ryan is kind of like Matthew Stafford in a way where you know I would I would love to see him go to to more a competent franchise and and get his shot of you know possibly winning a Super Bowl because sometimes it just feels like his talent goes to waste. Now I will say it's not as bad as Matthew Stafford was in Detroit because at the end of the day Atlanta still had a pretty good solid season with Matt Ryan. They've made the playoffs numerous times with him. He's made it to a Super Bowl. Dan Quinn was a pretty competent coach at one point. Now he's a great defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. He's had his fair share, but I just, you know, watching that game and all the, you know, the history of Atlanta choking, it's, I just kind of feel bad for Matt Ryan. But meanwhile, how about them Jets, Glenn Hill, Robert Sala and Zach Wilson got their first win against the Titans. We talked about that game possibly being a trap game going into it, but we wanted to keep it safe and pick the, the Titans to win that game. But man, the, the Jets defense showed out. Zach Wilson played good and looks like he, he listened to Robert Sala's advice about try, stop trying to be a hero and, and learn to make the easy throws and, and win the game before you, you make some of those reckless throws that cause you the game. So Gledhill, you got to be happy for the Jets. They finally won that game, man. Yeah. And I, I was, I was hoping that we'd see some, you know, some, a little bit more from Zach Wilson, you know, against the Titans, you know, it's a defense that hasn't been performing too well to this point. And we were able to see, you know, their whole team step up and get a win. I mean, this isn't a good team. But I mean, really, that that's not the point when you're looking at the Jets right now. And, you know, this is the first year of Zach Wilson, the first year of Robert Sala. Really, this squad is looking for confidence right now. I mean, we know, you know, that they're going to say, you know, they're going to think that they're going to be a playoff team. But we're going to look on the outside at this team and be like, OK, let's be honest. They're, they're not a playoff team. So what, you know, what can they get out of this season? I think, you know, they can get confidence out of the season by winning games that maybe they're not supposed to win by, by spoiling some parties by. You know, like like the Titans, you know, this loss like that could easily come back to bite them. You know, if they're, you know, in the AFC playoff race late 
you know, they end up missing out by a game, it's going to be, you know, because of that Jets loss that they, they should have should have won that game, you know, in week week four, week five or whatever. So I, I just think right now it's about regain, gaining confidence and establishing, you know, good chemistry. And it um, looks like the Jets are kind of starting to, able to you know, starting to f- figure that out just a little bit. You know, I, I think he's got some good weapons. I mean, Corey Davis is, is playing well right now. They got Jamison Crowder. I'm looking forward to seeing them establish even more, you know, confidence this week uh, against uh, a Falcons defense that is, you know, really been struggling. So we'll have to see what happens. Uh, I, I don't know who to pick yet. Actually, I'll let you make your pick first because I'm still deciding on this game. Well, I think this is safe to say that this is probably the AIDS game of the week. I mean, the Jets, the Jets got their first win, so that's good there. The Falcons got their first win versus the Giants two weeks ago. But these, I mean, both, let's be honest, both these teams are bottom half of the league. I mean, towards the bottom, at least. When I mentioned there are probably 25 teams that I think have a chance at a playoff appearance, these are two of the, the seven teams that I don't think have a, sh- have a shot. Yeah. Just looking at, you know, looking at where they're at. So 25 is kind of an arbitrary number. I don't know if it's exactly that many, if it's a couple more, a couple less, but uh, these are two of the teams that are definitely in that, like you said, that bottom tier. Yeah, I mean, it's either this game is AIDS game of the week or it's Titans at Jaguars because the the Titans just lost to the Jets. They're underperforming right now. And, you know, I don't even know if AJ Brown, AJ Brown's questionable, Julio Jones is questionable. They didn't have them this past week and they sure did miss them. So that could be AIDS game of the week, too. I mean, since Preston's not here, it doesn't matter too much. But shoot, maybe we'll maybe we'll have our very first co-AIDS game of the week this week just because both those games suck. But for this game. You want me to pick first? Okay. You know what? Atlanta's favored by three. <sighs> I'm going to pick them. Go ahead. I'm going to pick them. They, they've looked better. They've looked slightly better than the Jets in some cases. I do like that Zach Wilson and, and Robert Saul are starting to figure some things out, but I still don't think they're competent enough to win a football game over, over a 60-minute period. I just, I just don't see it. Maybe neutral territory that, that, that could help them, but it's not like Atlanta has home field advantage anyways. I mean, I wasn't. We were talking about that last week. It, it doesn't matter if they're home or anything. But, I, you know, I like the way they played against Washington. I like the way that the Atlanta's been competing. Minus that week one slip up, the Falcons have been competing. I mean, let's be honest. They competed against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They, I mean, they just got put 40 on them. It wasn't their fault, but they looked a lot better. Minus that first game slip up against the Eagles where they just got completely smacked in the mouth. They've been in the game or they, they were took it to the Buccaneers, at least offensively. They beat the Giants and they they took it to the football team. They just choked that lead. So, you know, if the Falcons go in there and have a big lead, I'm going to be scared, obviously, knowing that the Falcons could probably choke this. But I mean, I've been doing pretty good on picking Falcons games this year. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with them, give them the hot hand. I know Preston is definitely gonna pick the Jets because he did say last week that if the Falcons lost that game to the football team because he picked them, that he would never pick them for the whole year. So I already know he's gonna pick the Jets, but I'm going to stick with the Falcons. I'm going to stick with the safe pick. They are favorites, so I'm going to take the favorite team. Neutral territory, anything could happen, but I expect the Falcons to win. I'm going to go 23-19, to 19, the Falcons win. Uh, I'll probably go a little higher scoring. I mean, two bad defenses. I think the Falcons will put up some points. The Jets will put up more you know, points as well, but I just think the Falcons will be able to put up more points. I think it's as simple as that. You know, I think really this game comes down to you got a veteran quarterback in Matt Ryan versus a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson, and you're flying overseas. Who would better be able to deal with that? I would take, you know, I would take Matt Ryan. And, you know, I don't want to pick the Falcons. I never want to pick the Falcons, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. I, I'll, I'll go Falcons uh, 28 to 22. Fair enough. And look for Cordell Patterson to have another big fantasy game. I mean, he's been killing it for them since they picked him up this offseason. So, Watch out for that. Like I said, 
set your fantasy lineups accordingly because this game will be early in the morning. Let's move on to the next game. We have the New England Patriots going on the road to play the Houston Texans. I mean, another running for AIDS game of the week, but obviously the Patriots have just starting to put some things together. That game versus the Bucks was emotional. I I I I FaceTimed you, Glidho. I know on the podcast last week, guys, I did say that I thought the Buccaneers, I mean, even with all that drama and everything, with Tom Brady returning, I, I didn't think the game was going to be close. I thought Tampa Bay would have, you know, just blew the brakes off of them. But then I started like, you know, watching more storylines, this, you know, this whole Brady and Belichick thing. And I started, you know, watching and just feeling like Tom Brady going into the the stadium. I'm like, you know what? And I FaceTimed Gledho and I told him, I'm like, you know what, Gledhill, this game could be very close. This game could be close. You know, the, the Patriots could go out there and compete. Mac Jones could have a really good game. Preston was talking about Mac Jones rising to the occasion in big moments. And sure enough, it, it ended up happening. Uh, that's exactly what happened. Mac Jones rose to the occasion. He played super well. It, it was just unfortunate that it was kind of, you know, shitty weather in Foxborough that Nick Fole had to take a really long field goal and, 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 and missed it. It hit off the upright and just barely missed it. You know, I was I was thinking about it, Gledhill, and I was talking about how Bill Belichick is just such a mastermind with some of the play calls he was calling, the whole like flea flicker stuff, you know, the trick plays between like the receiver throwing it, the, the quarterback throwing it to the receiver, the receiver throwing it back to the receiver, and then him throwing it to the tight end down the field, some of the stuff that they used to do with Brady back in the day. Just some play callings that they were mixing up. And and that's really the reason that Bill Belichick's a mastermind, doing calling plays like that, even knowing that he's playing a quarterback that he had for all those years. So I, I enjoyed really watching that game on Sunday night. You know, I, I really thought it, it came down to the fourth quarter where both teams couldn't stop each other. And it was pretty much who had the, who had the ball last was going to win that game. And unfortunately for the Patriots, even though, I mean, they, they technically did have the ball last, but they had to settle for that field goal. Now there was a little bit of controversy and I, I was watching a, a couple talk show analysts this, this past week on that game because originally Gledhow was like, okay, Bill Belichick's a mastermind, but he, I think he made the biggest mistake that lost him this game. And I think the biggest mistake that lost him that game was not trusting Mac Jones at the end of that game, because Mac Jones balled out, Mac Jones balled out. There was a point where he literally had 19 straight completions and the only other, I mean, trailing behind Brady's record a couple years prior back, but Mac Jones was balling out, you know, playing off a of play action, which Bill Belichick and Brady found success for the play action passes all those years when, when he was with new England, but Mac Jones under play action, he was 12 for 14, 134 yards, a touchdown and interception. And, uh, and, and that was against the blitz as well. So despite all the bad offensive line play from the Patriots, especially the week prior where they were able to get a lot of pressure on him and he was able to throw three picks. That wasn't the case this time. They were still getting a lot of pressure on him, but he stayed composed. He rose to the occasion, like Preston was saying, but what I was saying about Bill Belichick making the biggest mistake was not trusting Mac Jones. And the reason he didn't trust Mac Jones is that that end of the game, what happened, Gledo? It was fourth and short. Instead of going for it, they kicked that long field goal, knowing the conditions, knowing the conditions, and knowing that Nick Folk hasn't hit a field goal from that long in a very long time, knowing that, knowing that you don't have a kicker that's not used to kicking those long field goals, knowing that you're in a shitty condition in Foxborough at home. You, you might as well have just gone for it on that fourth down. That shows me that Belichick doesn't have quite the trust in Mac Jones because you know if that was Brady or if that was any other quarterback, even Cam Newton, I think he would they would have went for that 100%. Because think about it. Even if you do make that field goal, you're up by two points. You're up by two points. You're giving Brady the ball back with roughly 50 seconds to go. 
And Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time when you, when you have under a minute to go. So Belichick knows that. And so I think they were better off going for that fourth down. And I just think the way the, the offense was rolling, you, you got to trust your quarterback in that situation. I get he's a rookie, but I mean, he was playing good. He was playing really good. Why wouldn't you trust him to get that one fourth down? If you don't get it, then I think you have a better chance of getting that than, than making that field goal. So I don't know, man. That that's just kind of what I saw. What did you kind of think of that situation? Yeah, I agree. But the point I will make is, um, you know, people will say, you know, Mac Jones is, has a pretty low ceiling compared to maybe other quarterbacks in his draft class. And and I I kind of have a, a little. I don't know why I'm bringing up this point, but I kind of have a, a bone to pick with that uh, with that term. You know, low ceiling. I just don't. I don't really believe in it necessarily because if you're a quarterback who makes others better. If you're a quarterback who inspires others others to work harder and to you know put put more effort in and preparing and watching film and whatnot, if you're a quarterback who's always showing up early and doing the right things and and preparing for the game you know as as best as you can, then you know I, I don't think ceiling really matters because you're making other others around you better and you're helping lead your team to victory. So you know I I think you know one of the issues with you know you go back to Tom Brady coming out of college, you know he was a quote unquote, low ceiling quarterback, you know, you know, he's always been a really good athlete. I mean, he was a third round pick in, you know, the major league baseball draft at one point, but he never really had the ability to tuck it and run, you know, particularly well, but, you know, he had the intangibles that were worth more than any, anything you could describe as from a a ceiling, a physical ceiling standpoint. So, you know, if Matt Jones is also, you know, also ends up being a guy like that, that inspires others and puts more work in than any other, you know, I, I think ceiling is irrelevant. So, We'll see how he develops, but he, man, he looked really good in that situation. I was, I was telling you on the phone, I was like, you know, everyone's talking about Brady. I mean, I'm thinking that I'm thinking about Mac Jones in this situation, because imagine being a rookie quarterback and you're, you're going up against the greatest of all time in his former home stadium. And you're the quarterback opposing him. And he's about to break the all time passing record. Like as a young rookie quarterback, how do you respond to that? How do you play in that environment with all, you know, the pressure's on you, bud, because the goat's going to go out there and he's going to do his thing. You know, he's used to that pressure. He'll, he'll do his thing. If you throw three picks, I mean, are fans going to boo you out of the stadium or something? Like you got to somehow not think about that and turn that off and still play well despite that. So I think it's so, so impressive that he was able to, you know, stay within himself and execute how he was able to execute. So it's a shame it turned out the way it did, but you know, at the end of the day, I think whatever trust Bill Belichick doesn't have in him, which I, I have no clue what level of trust he has in Mac Jones, other than what may be evidence during the, during a game. But it, it's indicating that that's going to keep developing as we as we continue to go along through the season. So that's something I'm hoping to see with the Patriots. I'll go ahead and pick this game because it's actually pretty easy to me. I think the Patriots will win this game. They'll bounce back and beat the Texans. Um, I mean, Davis Mills is starting again, I'm assuming. Tyrod's still out. Yeah, yeah. Tyrod Taylor's still on injured reserve I mean, right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, he's the worst starting quarterback in football right now. And it's not, you know, may, maybe it's not really his fault because, you know, he, does, he doesn't really have much around him. I don't know. You know, I, I just don't, I haven't paid any attention to the Texans this year, to be honest. I watched a little bit of the, the Brown, the game against the Browns a few weeks ago. But uh, other than that, you know, and then that was actually when Tyrod got hurt. But other than that, haven't really paid much attention to him. They got, slaughtered by the bills as we all predicted shut um, out literally yeah 40 to nothing yeah it's not good and i just don't you know maybe they're, they're more competitive in this game but 
the Patriots, they, those, those, they're still going to put up on defense. You know, they're, they're still going to get it done. Um, they did against the Bucks last week. They, they played pretty well. So I, I, I got the Patriots 27 to 13. I don't know about you, but I don't see the Texans doing much offensively. So I think the way Mac Jones has been playing and progressing, I think, look, yeah, you know, I had a game a couple of weeks ago where he made some, some mistakes. Um, and that's, that's what's going to happen with a rookie quarterback. I still believe in him. Excited to see, see what he does in this game. Yeah, I talked about last week how rookie quarterbacks have just had such a terrible start to the year. I think they have like a two and eleven record or, or like two and twelve record or something like that. But I, I did say that Mac Jones was literally the only rookie that looked like he was ready to start, and he's looking like the rookie quarterback that is definitely ready to start. Trevor Lawrence is getting there, but you know, with all that drama with Urban Myers and and that the you whole organization. Yeah, yeah, you got to be patient with him. Yeah. And same with Zach Wilson. I'm not ready to write off any of those guys or say that they're going to be busts. It's just, it's not really, I mean, I think we saw Justin Herbert kind of come out of nowhere last year. And now it's like, oh, you know, I think we're expecting all these guys to be the next Justin Herbert. But in reality, he also had really good weapons around him. And people don't believe in Anthony Lynn necessarily. He still had a pretty good staff surrounding him. He had Keenan Allen. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is coming into a, a losing culture. Zach Wilson's coming into a losing culture. I mean, and they have to be kind of a part of this, part of the whole turnaround with new coaches and everything. So, yeah, I mean, you just got to be patient. Yeah, got to be patient. And and also, I I think it's not fair to compare these quarterbacks to Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert, if you think about it, that dude's a freak. Like, he's just a freak. He's been one of the most successful rookie quarterbacks that have ever come in ever and made that that much of an impact that early. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback come in Minus Dak Prescott, maybe Big Ben come in and, and make that impact. Like you just, you just don't see it often. But also, I mean, coaching is the thing, personnel, everything. You know, learning behind a good quarterback, and that's what Dak had with with Roma when he was hurt. So that that was good there. But yeah, I think Justin Herbert was just a freak because Tua got drafted earlier. Tua got drafted earlier than him, and he was in. I, I would say he was on a better team, better defense. And maybe not as good of weapons, but probably better overall, just better organization coming in. And he didn't do anything. So I think that just shows how how much of a freak Justin Herbert is. But that, you know, that's a different topic for every for anything else. I mean, uh in terms of that, you know, Mac Jones, I think he's, you know, that game might have single handedly took him to that next step. And and we'll see what he be will he'll be able to do. I, I just wish that Belichick would have been able to trust him more at the end of that game and given him a shot because you know, I mean, you had nothing to lose. You had nothing to lose. You're, you mean, you either you make that field goal and you give Brady the ball back and you're most likely going to lose off of, of a heartbreak off the game winning field goal. Or you, you know, you get that first down and, you know, you give Mac Jones a chance to possibly win you that game. So it, it was just disappointing. But and in terms of this game, this is an easy one. I agree. My, my score is pretty similar to you. You said 27 to 13. I'm going to say 24 to 10. Davis Mills has no business starting in this league. And, you know, I feel bad for the Texans. 24 to 10 easy dub for the Patriots and also rookie QBs are one in 10 versus new England since 2014, something to note. And in terms of the spread real quick, before we move on, sorry about that. The spread, it looks like the new England Patriots are favored by nine. So, I mean, that that's a huge spread. I'm going to say too, I think it's such an easy bet. I think they're going to cover that nine point spread. Absolutely. The reason for that is, I mean, Belichick has had so much success in his career against rookie quarterbacks. They're also coming off a loss. You know, this is a Patriots team. They're they're what? They're one and three, right? So yeah. I mean, this is a one and three team that's frustrated. 
They're going to come in pissed off. The way they're coached, they're not going to come in, you know, lackadaisical, I don't believe. Uh, Mac Jones is only looking better. And, and that I think Davis Mills is going to be absolutely suffocated. Yeah, fair enough. Well, let's just move on because uh, we've been talking about that game long enough. All right, next game, we have the Philadelphia Eagles going on the road to play the Carolina Panthers. Hurts and Darnold both ranked top 10 in combined pass plus rush yards this season. Sam Darnold talked a little bit about how he rose to the occasion. That defense is really good. Not only does it get any better, though, but they freaking just added Stephon Gilmore literally after getting released this morning by the Patriots. Okay, so so this is what really happened. If everybody that was confused about that whole thing. So this morning, they announced that Stephon Gilmore was released by the Patriots and that the Patriots were trying to trade for him, but they, they couldn't find, you know, the contract wasn't working out for teams. So they decided just to release him. But since officially he wasn't officially going to be released till 3 p.m. Eastern time, that gave the Panthers that chance to go kind of play chess a little bit and go offer him a bag of chips and trade for a six round pick. So, you know, good on them. I don't know who has to pay the contract. I'm assuming that the Patriots have to pay it still. But the the bottom line is, is he went from being released to literally two hours later being traded to the Panthers for a six round pick. And obviously Stephon Gilmore, I mean, he's, he's had, he's battled a lot of injuries, but when he's healthy, he's one of the top three to five cornerbacks in the league. He was the best a couple years ago. He was a deep reigning defensive player of the year from 2019, I believe. And you know, he's a beast. So I was hoping that the Cowboys might've been able to jump on him, but obviously that was just more wishful thinking. You know, I was looking about, I was, I was getting ready to talk about it today, tonight, let on the podcast. I was thinking, all right, Stephon Gilmore, he got released. Let's talk about possible five teams that could get him. And I was thinking, you know, maybe Kansas City, their defense is is really, they really desperately need a cornerback back there. Tampa Bay, you know, as great as their defense was last year, their secondary is kind of struggling being banged up with Carlton Davis and all those other guys uh, just being banged up. So thought Tampa Bay possibly. And, and of course, they just signed Richard Sermon as well on Wednesday and he played super, super early. I thought the 49ers, their secondary has been depleted. I thought Seattle, their secondary is not good. And then I just thought Cowboys just to make, you know, after maybe releasing Jalen Smith, maybe go get another big guy and, and, and push for that Super Bowl team. But that, that wasn't the case. They, they tried to trade Stephon Gilmore and, and, and it didn't work out. So then the Panthers, you know, played a little bit of chess and they went in there and they gobbed him. And so Panthers really just kind of stole one there from the Patriots, but I, I understand the Patriots decision to release him. I mean, for his contract and everything and the injury history, I mean, it was probably for the better, but man, that defense is just getting more stacked. He's not going to play obviously this week, but I mean, shoot, they probably get him in for that next game uh, week six. So we'll see what happens, but Panthers defense, you know, still making moves. CJ Henderson, the week before we talked about that, the Eagles, you know, coming off a tough loss versus the, uh, the chiefs, man, it was, Nick Sirianni again, just not calling the right plays, not getting Miles Sanders involved, just really doesn't know how to run this organization. At this point, it was probably better off that the best case that the Eagles should have did was move on from Wentz and let Doug Peterson coach this team one more year and see how he would do without Carson Wentz. Because Carson Wentz, after that they traded for Wentz, maybe they should have kept Doug Peterson before firing Doug Peterson. I I, I really do think they should have got rid of Wentz first and see how Doug Peterson would have done without Wentz with Hurts a full year. Now, now it's too late. Now you got Nick Sirianni, who literally is just trying trying so hard to be involved with the organization as a coach, and, and the front office is already a clown show with Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie. So the, the Eagles are just a mess right now. I know Preston last week was saying that we overreacted a little bit uh, about them, but I really do think that this team is talented enough 
at least on the offensive side of the ball, to win about six to seven football games. But Nick Sirianni is going to be the reason they don't. There is no reason that Miles Sanders should not be running the ball like less than 10 times. There, there's no reason that that should happen. So Nick Sirianni, really, they really need to figure a lot of things out on that side. This is an easy game for me. Maybe the Eagles go in there and put up some points, but I, I just think that there's no way. Matt Rule is going to be able to outcoach Nick Sirianni, and this is going to be a win for the Panthers. They're going to bounce back, and I, I see them taking care of Philadelphia pretty convincingly here. So I'm going to say that the, the Panthers win. That they're favored by three and a half, but I think that they go in there and they put up 29 to the Eagles 20. Who do you got? I, I could see this being an upset potentially, and the reason I say that is um... – well, I, I do trust Sam Darnold, and I, I'm a huge fan of him, and I've always been a, a supporter of Sam Darnold, even when he was with the Jets. You know, he, he still could turn the ball over sometimes. I, I He's been a lot more efficient this year, and that's, you know, that's the power of having weapons like Robbie Anderson, who hasn't quite gotten going yet, but I think he will. Um, having guys like DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, even, you know, when Christian McCaffrey comes back, I think he might be questionable for this week, but it's, I think it's likely he won't play. But once he comes back, it's another weapon there. I'll, I'll say that if, if Sam Darnold continues to show how efficient he is, even without Christian McCaffrey, and he limits the turnovers, if he has only zero or one turnover, then I'll say the Panthers have a really good shot of winning this game. If the Eagles' defensive line you know, gets really good pressure on Sam Darnold, forces a couple bad throws, maybe the Panthers can, you know, won't be able to run the ball, which you know the Eagles' run defense hasn't been great, but you know, if the Panthers, for some reason, can't run the ball, then I, you know, I think the Eagles win a low scoring, you know, 19 to 17 type of game or something. But I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Eagles will, or I think the Panthers will be able to put up enough offensively. And if you're asking me which quarterback's going to make more mistakes, you know, Jalen Hurts or Sam Darnold, I have to say Jalen Hurts is going to be the one who makes more mistakes right now, just because the O line is not as good and he doesn't have the same weapons that, you know, he doesn't have his, as experienced weapons as Sam Darnold and. I, I obviously there's an there's an obvious coaching advantage with the Panthers. Um, they got Matt Rule, who wasn't an NFL guy, went to you know went to college, had a ton of success at Temple, had a ton of success at Baylor. He's had success ever since he's come into the league. There's no reason for me to believe right now that the Panthers are going to lose this game. So I'm going to go ahead and pick them. I like your score. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 27-20. Panthers win. So by like a touchdown or something. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Could be an interesting one though. You never know. Let's go ahead and move on into the next game. Next game, we have the Lions going on the road to play the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota's won seven straight games versus Detroit. Minnesota, man, one and three. I mean, they've, they've ran into some good opponents. They should have beat the Bengals week one. They should have beat the Cardinals if they didn't if they could have made the field goal. And then they beat Seattle, of course. Last week, they, they got in an ugly game versus the Browns. Just ugly. I mean, it was defensively. There was a lot of penalties, but... Yeah, the Vikings, I, I, I still think that they're, they're going to find a way to turn it around. I don't see this team being a, a losing football team at the end of the season. I really do think that they can win nine or ten games this year. I, I think they're talented enough. I just hope Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, man, because that dude is just getting banged up all the time. So, yeah, I, I hope the, the Vikings, health-wise, would be able to sustain the whole season. But, you know, playing a Lions team that can't catch a win, Gledho, I know you, you picked them against the Bears, and – they let you down. Are you going to pick them this week? Well, how about this? How about this? First of all, let me tell you the spread because I haven't even told you that. If you had to guess the spread, what would you say? Mm, uh, if I had to guess the spread, I would say Vikings are favored by eight points. Oh, close. Seven and a half. 
Okay. Wow. So I was Seven pretty good on that one. I'm going to go Vikings. The fact that they're one and three and the fact that they've lost three one possession games shows me that they're going to find a way to turn it around in this game and they're going to win this divisional game against the Lions. I was a little bit of a believer in the Lions going into last week. I thought that they, you know, they had some really close losses, but I saw it in the 49ers game. I saw it in the Ravens game. This team does not give up when they're down. And for that reason, I thought, okay, the Bears are, are definitely downward trending, especially on the offensive side. They don't know what they're doing. The Lions are going to come in as hard as they've been playing. They're going to find a way to scrape out a win against the Bears. That was my belief. And it just didn't happen. It was the complete opposite. The Bears scored two early touchdowns and just kind of maintained that you know two-touchdown lead throughout. The Lions really, at no point in that game, really had a chance to win that. Um, after the Bears scored those two early touchdowns, I was like, oh, no. Why, why did I pick the Lions? What, what am I doing? Um, yeah. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stick with Vikings here. I the, I the Lions let me down last week. Thought they were making some progress. Maybe they did. Maybe this loss will, will expose some things for them. I, I just think that they lost Romeo Guara on the defensive side. They're, he's their best uh, linebacker for the season. So that's a tough loss. But I'm just going to take the Vikings. I'll go 26-14. to 14. Okay, so you have a little bit of lower scoring. I have a higher scoring game just because I think Vikings are always capable of putting almost 30 points a game. I know that wasn't the case this past week, but credit to the Browns defense. I mean, the Browns defense has been playing really well. Offensively, that's a different question, a different conversation, but defensively, they've been playing super well. I I, I don't see the Vikings having problems any scoring, uh, scoring the ball. So I'll say that this game's a little bit higher scoring, and I think they'll win huh, probably close to the spread. I'll say that they win 33 to 26. Next game, we have the New Orleans Saints going on the road to play the Washington football team. Washington has allowed 30 and a half points per game this season. That is the third most in the NFL. Yeah, Glad Hill. I mean, their their defense is just playing is really overrated right now. They through four weeks averaging that many points. And we talk about that. That's supposed to be their their hot spot. I mean, Taylor Heineke is playing well, but I mean, let's be honest, you're not gonna win the NFC East with the way the Cowboys are playing, giving up that many points per game, especially against a Cowboys offense that literally is known for scoring the ball. So yeah, Washington's defense is just really overrated right now. But I mean, they're playing a Saints team that is just so inconsistent, man. I mean, we Preston picked the Giants and, you know, it worked out for them. Daniel Jones balled out. Saquon Barkley got involved, had a big game on the receiving end at least. Kenny Galladay played well. And then Jameis Winston didn't, you know, he didn't do terrible this past week, but overall the Saints defensively just were getting ripped up and I honestly, Glenhoe, I have no idea who to pick in this game. I because I just don't know what I'm going to see from both teams week in and week out. I mean, especially the Saints, man. I, I just don't know what I'm going to see. New Orleans is favored by one and a half. I think that's fair. But this game, like as a better, which I'm not, but if I was a better, I would not get anywhere near this game just because both teams are just super inconsistent. I wouldn't trust any of them, you know, betting on any of them to win. So for that reason, I think this game probably will be close and I think it will be close and lower scoring. So this is a coin flip. The question is, who do I want to pick? I'm going to take a risk, Gledhill. I mean, you can say it's a risk or not. I mean, they are favorite, but I'm going to take the Saints. I'm going to take the Saints because I know when in doubt, pick the team that is just better overall. And I think the Saints are better defensively, much better defensively. Offensively, they're they're both pretty sus. But I think Alvin Kamara will be the difference maker in this game. 
And I, I, I don't see the Saints losing back-to-back games against NFC East opponents. I, I think they're going to find a way. I think Sean Payton will, will hopefully have a bounce-back game. He did it against the Patriots. After losing that game to Carolina, he was able to bounce back and run the ball more effectively with Kamara. And, you know, this Washington's defense just doesn't scare me as much as it used to. You know, if this was, if they were playing like they did last week and and then the Saints with all this inconsistency that I see now, I would 100% pick Washington being at home in that defensive line. But because they're not, and because the football team is just, uh, their defense is, is honestly one of the worst statistically right now. I'm going to say that the Saints get the run game going early and they win in a lower scoring game. Let's go 21 to 17 Saints win. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, I'm going to take the Saints 24 to 21. I was actually going to say that Alvin Kamara is going to be the difference. I think that Washington, even though their secondary has been horrible, um, they still have a pretty good defensive front. Um, that's where their strength comes from on the defensive side. I just think the Saints offensive line has been playing better than the Washington defensive front. So I think the Saints line is going to provide a big difference for them. Kamara is going to have a good game. I think Sean Payton is, you know, I, I think – they have the coaching advantage with Sean Payton. I don't know if they have the quarterback advantage right now. I honestly, I think Heineke is playing way more consistently than Jameis Winston. But like picking this game is like playing the freaking lottery. Like I have no clue what's you know. You made a great point saying you just don't know. You don't know what we're gonna expect from these teams week to week. And that's just you know you got two inconsistent teams playing. I'm gonna take the team that has the better coach and has a better O line. Saints 24-21. Fair enough. Let's not think about it too much before we start jinxing it. (laughs) All right, uh, let's move on to the next game. We have the Miami Dolphins going on the road to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay, 12 career losses versus Miami, double the amount versus any other opponent, but obviously not with Tom Brady here. So Tom Brady's in town now. We talked a lot about that that Patriots game and him returning home and everything. And special to know that not only did he get the passing yard all-time record in his old stadium, But the fact that he joins Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Brett Favre as the only QBs in NFL history to beat every NFL franchise, which is, you know, outstanding. Him and Belichick met privately post game. Belichick was he was seen walking into the Bucks locker room and he left after 20 minutes, followed by Tom Brady. And, you know, Belichick had reached out to arrange the meeting with Brady before the game. So, you know, even though that we saw their their little hug at the end of that game and it it wasn't really anything, it was kind of more like, all right, we'll see you. But they they did get to meet after the game. So that was that was special there. And yeah, I mean, as far as this game, Tampa Bay is favored by 10 and a half points. So pretty big spread there. I mean, I, I'm kind of kicking myself in the foot there. I mean, the, the fact that I picked the Dolphins to beat the Colts with Jacoby Brissett, I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, the Colts were due for a win. every. I, I just thought with the injuries that the Miami would have been able to pull it out. So I really wish I, would, I wouldn't have picked them last week. This is an easy one, Gledhill. I mean, I, I don't think it matters who starts. I think we're all going to pick the Buccaneers. But question is, how much are they going to win by? Let's go 31 to 17. Who do you got? I actually had 33 to 17. Oh, wow. So pretty close. I got the I got the Bucks winning. You know what? I could see this being an upset. I just really, uh, maybe. I mean, uh, no chance. Yeah, probably not. I mean, Dolphins almost beat the Raiders though, and Jacoby Brissett. You know, I think he could have a decent game. I mean, after what I saw versus the Colts, I can't pick them. Yeah, no, I can't either. Yeah, they're just not gonna be able to get a pass rush on Brady. It's, it's, it's certainly, I mean, their defense certainly isn't as good as the Patriots. 
So I will say that they were, they definitely are missing Gronk. They miss Gronk in that Patriots game because he's been so effective in the red zone for them. And they weren't, I mean, they were having problems scoring in that red zone and especially in that first half. So he did hurt his ribs. I don't know how long he's going to be out, but they're definitely missing Gronk. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take the safe pick here. I'll go, I'll go Bucks beat, beat the Dolphins. All right, fair enough. Next game, we have the Green Bay Packers going on the road to play the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals have won three of the last four games versus Green Bay. Wow, that's actually kind of surprising. I guess Aaron Rodgers had a known for slipping up versus this team, and this is on the road too. Bengals are playing pretty good. I mean, Zach Taylor's coaching for his job, and they're finding ways to win games. Burrow and Jamar Chase have that connection. Joe Mixon looks great. The offensive line hasn't been as terrible as maybe we thought. Who knows how long that will last in the season? I, I know, Glad how you were talking about, like, even though the Bengals have had success early on, you know, we still don't look at them as a playoff team. We, we still don't look at them. We don't expect them to be here later in the season. Right now, they're tied as the lead in the, the AFC North with the Browns and the Ravens. They do have the advantage over those three. They have the tiebreaker over those two because they, you know, they're the only one that have a division win so far against the Steelers. But I, I don't, I don't expect this to last. And you know, even though Green Bay is known to being sus, I, I think it'd be kind of disrespectful to pick against the Packers in this game. I, I, I just don't see how you how you could, even if the Bengals do, you know, go in there and play really well and, and shoot, maybe they beat Green Bay. I, I still wouldn't pick them to beat Green Bay. You know what I mean? Green Bay is only favored by three. Does that spread surprise you at all, Glenn Hill? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I'd say if I already guessed the spread, I would say probably six or seven Packers. Yeah. Well, Bengals have been playing well, so, hmm. Okay, well, I've, I've picked the last few, so it's your turn. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go Packers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be boring. I'm going to keep it safe. I, I just, I just don't, I don't see I, – I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to find Devontae Adams plenty of times this game, and I just don't – I don't see him faltering in this one. I think, I think it's going to be like a 27 to 19. I think it's going to be that. Okay. I mean, yeah, the, the, the Packers are a great football team, but I am concerned with them against some of the top NFC teams because they're so reliant on Devontae Adams, Gledhill. I mean, teams will adjust to that. And I think there's only a matter of time between maybe Devontae Adams has a bad game and maybe some coaches throw something at him and and you just got to get other, other receivers involved. I know I was talking about the fact that Devontae Adams literally only, in that 49ers game, he had 19 targets the next wide receiver only had four. So I, I think, I think the Packers will be just fine, but I am concerned a little bit playing a top NFC team because they're so reliant on him. But I mean, he's that good for a reason. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it, but I'll be interested to see how Aaron Rodgers gets these other receivers involved as time goes on. But as far as this game, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Packers. I, I mean, call me boring all you want. I think the Packers get this done and maybe it'll be a little ugly for them, but they're going to get it done 27 to 21. No doubt about it. I don't really have much to say about this game. Next game, we have the Denver Broncos going on the road to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ben Roethlisberger is three and four in the regular season games versus Denver. He's thrown a pick in each of those games. The spread in this game, Steelers are just, oh man, the Steelers. The Steelers are favored by one and a half. That's disrespectful if you ask me. I'm very, very surprised that the Steelers are favored in this game, especially the way they've been playing offensively. Vegas might be onto something on that. That might be bait right there. That might be bait right there. So the, let, let's, let's talk about Denver a little bit. The Broncos obviously had their first test against the Ravens. I said, go in there and prove me wrong. And I mean, it, it's not their fault. Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. I mean, oh, you know what? You know what, Gledhill? I, I, totally, I just totally answered my question right there. 
Teddy Bridgewater just had a concussion against the Ravens. I forgot about that. So Drew Locke is getting the start. Are you sure Drew Locke is getting the start though? Is is it? Hold on. Let me let me see real quick. Is well, it is it questionable or is he out? I mean, I know. Well, last time I checked, he was concussed. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he didn't practice today. So a chance Brit. Say- okay, here we go. Six hours ago, a chance Bridgewater could be latest of several QBs to play a week after concussion. I guess, I mean, Patrick Mahomes did it one time. That was crazy. Vic Fangio says Teddy Bridgewater might return to practice on Thursday. Hmm. I would imagine that that's the only reason the Steelers are favorite, because why the hell would they be favorite? They're not better than the Broncos. I mean, both of these teams have good defenses, um, and this is going to be a low-scoring game, whether Bridgewater starts or whether he doesn't. I just... Really, I would pick the team that's going to turn the ball over less when it's a, when it's a matchup between two defenses, two good defenses. Which which offense is going to turn it over less? I think that's the first thing you go to. And if Drew Locke is starting, I mean, there's no reason why I would believe that he would turn it over less than Big Ben. Oh, uh, I don't know. Mm. Who who do you think is going to win this game? Is it is it entirely dependent on Locke or Bridgewater? Uh, well, I, I wasn't, first of all, the first, my first initial thought, I didn't even think about that, the Teddy Bridgewater thing until I actually like started thinking about the game versus the Ravens. Obviously they had a, a big test and it was kind of a prove me wrong and it wasn't their fault that he got hurt, but the Ravens just look a lot, a lot better. And that was their biggest test and they, they couldn't capitalize. So, I mean, they're, they're still a, a solid football team, no doubt about it, but to answer your question, Gledhill, I don't know. I'm going to say no, it's not really dependent on that too much because i just think the Bron- i just think the steelers are that bad and, and let me let me talk about the steelers real quick let me, let me talk about let me talk about big ben gledhill uh bear with me here bear with me here because i'm going to go on a little bit of a rant about big ben roethlisberger i ta- i already called you about this gledhill so if you have to hear this again i'm sorry but i gotta talk about this because i i just need to get this off my chest because i was pissed on sunday i was absolutely pissed and no i'm not even a steelers fan you're gonna think that i'm a steelers fan just because of how mad I am because of this, but no, this is just strictly me being a football fan. So Gledhill, I know that I've been shitting on Daniel Jones saying that he's been the worst starter in the NFL and that the giants need to move on. But now I'm starting to see that he's not as terrible as I thought. And he's actually been playing pretty damn well. And, and it's, it's not his fault that the giants suck. His team just sucks. So that, that brings the question of who is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL right now? Who is it? You could say Zach Wilson. No, you could say, Trevor Lawrence? No. You could say Tua, Heineke? No. None of those Davis guys. Da- okay. I would I would take Davis Mills over Big Ben right no, now. No, you wouldn't. No, I you would. Wouldn't. 100% no. I would. 100% no, I would. Big Ben is still like smarter than Big Ben is still oh, smarter. No, 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 no. Oh, you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But Davis Mills doesn't count. He's a backup. I would take Big Ben as he's my a, starting quarterback. No, no, no. He's a third string. He's a third string. Davis yeah. Mills isn't a starter. I would take Big Ben as my starting quarterback over oh, man. Not a lot. It wouldn't be a lot. Nobody. You can't take him over anybody. I would you, take him over Zach Wilson right now. No way. There's no way. He There's doesn't no- run the ball over as much, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, Okay, but it's not even about him turning the ball over. So back to what I was saying. So Gledhill, obviously I would, yes, okay, that was was cap. Obviously I would take him over Davis Mills, but Davis Mills isn't a starter. The only reason Davis Mills is playing is because Tyrod Taylor's hurt. 
Davis Mills probably shouldn't even be their backup. He's that bad. But anyways, just after the first few weeks of the season, I honestly really don't see it changing for the rest of the year too. Like, unless God forbid, you know, Big Ben gets hurt or he decides to retire. Like, I think Big Ben is the worst quarterback in the NFL, starting quarterback in the NFL, and it's not even particularly close. Like, the Steelers are a defensive-minded team. We always talk about that defense, which, like Preston mentioned last week, are built to run the football. So why the hell is Big Ben throwing the football 42 and a half times a game? Why is he doing that? First of all, he has no ability, mobility whatsoever. He's slow as dirt. He's fat, and he's old. He literally cannot do anything productive at this point in his career, and he's always banged up too, so that doesn't help. Like, Gledhill, the amount of times I have seen them go for it on fourth and fourth and short and the way they've executed it, it literally burns my eyes to watch. Like Versus the Bengals, he dumped it off to Najee Harris on a little wheel route on fourth and mid. Guess what? Not even close to converting. Versus Green Bay this past week. Dumped it off to Najee again. Same play. Same exact play, too. Maybe the yardage was a little off, but same exact play. Not even close. And then, oh, oh then, this was the icing on the cake. This was the icing on the cake. This literally maybe turn off the game. I couldn't even watch the game after this. Fourth and five, Steelers have to go for it because they're down by multiple scores. And if they don't go for it, they lose the game. Okay. So they had to go for it. They throw a route up the middle to Corvette boy himself, Juju Smith-Schuster. And they have two linebackers in Tampa two, literally covering that side of the field. Doesn't even get close to the first down. Not even close. And it's like, Big Ben is so horrific at this point. He can't do anything. Like the fact that on fourth and short, he has to throw a inside route to Juju Smith-Schuster and rely on his other receivers to get that first down for him. That is garbage. It literally burns my eyes to watch it. But I'm going to say right now, I can't watch another Steelers game this year. I can't. I can't watch Big Ben play football again without literally, I'm going to rip my eyes out if I watch him play football again. He is that bad. And it doesn't matter how damn good their defense is because Big Ben is so bad to the point that it negatively it affects their defense because they're always on the field and eventually they're going to get tired and they're going to give up points. They couldn't get any pressure whatsoever on Aaron Rodgers. They had a crazy streak of having at least one sack a game for like three plus years. And yet Rodgers was barely pressured in that game, barely pressured. The defense taken on the team is such a damn waste. I'm sorry. I'm I, and I'm sorry I had to shit on Big Ben like this, but I needed to get that off my chest so I could feel better. You know, we we always talk about Mike Tomlin, how he always has, you know, he has these 14 straight winning seasons, never had a losing season. You know, the Steelers haven't had a losing record since 03, but that year it 100% changes. The, this team is only going to get worse. The offense is only going to get worse. Unless Big Ben retires or they sign Cam Newton, I don't see how this team sniffs the playoffs at all. I mean, just, Big Ben is just such a liability for them that my decision of him being the worst quarterback will not change as long as his career as long as it continues and as long as he's like this, it will not. Hopefully, hopefully after this year, he's done because, but I'm not watching another Steelers game after this because that literally just burnt my eyes. It was horrific. It was horrible. And that's all I got to say. Broncos win this game. I, I can't, I can't pick the Steelers. I can't watch the Steelers unless they're playing like the freaking Lions or something or the freaking Texans. I'm not picking the Steelers to win. Big Ben is that bad. So Broncos win this game. I don't care if Drew Locke plays. I don't care if Teddy Bridgewater plays. Give me the Broncos. Boring ass game. 20 to 17. Who do you got? 
I, I'm making my disagreement face, my disagreement smile, because I'm going to take the Steelers. Part of it is if you, if you pick the Steelers, I was probably going to pick the Broncos. I want, I want to spice things up, pick a little differently. Um, I think this is a toss-up game for me. Not really sure who to pick. I don't see this game being a blowout in either direction. Oh, yeah, I don't either. And as poor as Big Ben has played, I, I still think, you know, having Juju, having Claypool, Najee Harris, their whole line's been pretty bad, but that's okay. And as well coached as the Steelers are, uh, I still believe in their whole coaching staff. I think they'll, I think they'll figure out a way to, to generate enough offense in this game. Even, even with Big Ben at quarterback, I think they still have a little bit. I think they still have a few more pieces offensively that uh, the Broncos don't. So, yeah, I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take the Steelers in this game. I'm not confident in it, but I'm gonna say the Steelers win this game, twenty to seventeen. That's really bold, Gladhill, because. Well, it's not really bold. I would just say that's really shocking coming from you because you've been so high on the Broncos. I'm, I'm actually really surprised that you picked the Steelers. I know you've been very high on the Broncos. I have been high on the Broncos, and it doesn't mean that I'm not all that high on the Broncos. I just don't think – maybe I was a little high on them last week. Um, they still haven't beaten a really solid team yet, and you know they look super flat offensively against the, uh, the Ravens. So maybe they'll turn things around, but I'm going to take a chance and pick the Steelers in this game. That's what we're going to do. And I bet a lot of it, obviously, like you were saying, had a lot to do with my pick too. I know if I probably would have picked the Steelers, you probably would have picked the Broncos, but yeah, I was spicing up a little bit. Fair enough. I mean, do you have anything to say about my big Ben Ren? I know I kind of, you know, I kind of let that man know. Yeah. I mean, it's his quarterback ratings like 36 right now for the season. That's just not going to get it done. Now I don't believe in the Steelers O-line. I think they've been pretty bad too. Oh, that's fair. I mean, big Ben's having a hip issue right now. And he even admitted to the media, I read an article just a second ago, he was like, yeah, if I showed you the picture of my hip, you'd probably get sick to your stomach. It's like, why would you say that? Like, that, that kind of irked me in a certain way, because I was like, why would you say that to the media? Why, why would you say, oh, you know, you're basically saying that, like, yeah, my hip looks so bad right now. Like, you get, it's so bad that you get sick to your stomach. Like, don't admit that. Like, just, just say, yeah, I need to be better. You know, like, I know he, he was saying those things, too, but. I didn't really like that side comment about, oh, you know, if I showed you a picture of my hip, you'd probably get sick to your stomach. Like, <laughs> just keep that to yourself. Like, I, I don't want to think about what Big Ben's hip looks like right now. I don't, I don't want him to, I don't want him to make that, you know, have, have that as like this huge excuse. I mean, look, I mean, put some, you know, we got to put some respect on his name. He's done some great things throughout his career. He's won two Super Bowls, been to three, I think. He's had a really, really solid career. I mean, Hall of Fame career, but he just doesn't have it anymore. He's, he's washed. So he is indeed washed. And, and, you know, I, I, I know I went on that little rant because that completely ruined my day, but just to make me feel a little bit better, I I do want to mention this before we move on to the next game. So let me be clear that I, I literally try to watch every single game I can, because that's my job. It's my passion as a fan. And, you know, with red zone that, that helps hundred percent, but obviously sometimes I, you know, I'm human. I don't catch everything that happens in every game all the time. Uh, So I, I sometimes miss everything, but however, I am so happy that this caught my attention on Sunday during the Ravens and Broncos game because it literally made my whole day, Gledhill. It made my whole day. So uh, I don't know if you if you uh, if you were able to catch this moment, but during the during that game, you know how they they do the the game breaks with it with the other teams and and they they you know they give it to the announcer and they they you know the game day breaks and they show oh okay some like a big highlight from another game so. This announcer was uh, was showing that the Rodgers passed to the end zone to Randall Cobb when when they scored on the the Steelers and the reason they were showing it was because it was uh, 
it was Rogers. Uh, t- he tied Dan Marino on the all time touchdown passing list. And the announcer was like mentioning that. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, here's Rogers tying Dan Marino with his 420th passing touchdown on the season. He's smoking the Steelers defense. <laughs> and I was like, bro, there is no way that that dude just said that on live TV. But uh, it was kind of funny. Like, it was, I- I'm going to send it to you because it was hilarious. I mean, that dude's a legend for saying that. And I think the funniest part about it was like, Right when he said that, the announcer that was like co-hosting with him di- had no idea how to respond to it. He was like, uh, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> that was funny. That that made me feel a little bit better, especially how horrific that game was pissing me off. Just watching as a fan and seeing Big Ben. So anyways, done moving with that. We have I have the Broncos. He has the Steelers. Next game, we have the Tennessee Titans going on the road to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Derrick Henry, 101.3 rushing yards per game versus this team. 11 rushing touchdowns and 10 career gains versus Jacksonville. He's known for that 99-yard run that he had against Jacksonville. He always has a big run in, against them. He just owns their defense. You know, Derrick Henry, as much he can only do so much, but Tynes just having a not having Bud Dupree uh, last game and, and their defense just underperforming and then not having Julio and A.J. Brown, they just didn't look competent at all. And then the O-line wasn't, wasn't doing well either in that game. So Tines, man, they're they're just kind of just being a little bit of a disappointment right now. I might have been a little, I might have overrated them a little bit coming to the season, but it's still early. I hope they're able to turn it around because they have so much talent offensively. Like there's no way that that right now that they should be freaking two and two and two games that they lost to the Jets and and OT and then freaking getting blown out by the Cardinals. Which I mean, I guess the Cardinals are playing amazing, but they look they didn't look good in that game at all. So this game in particular, Tennessee is favored by four. Huh, Gledhill, it's your turn. I mean, can you even pick the Jaguars? Can you pick them to win a game? Because I feel like I, I don't know if I can pick them to win a game until they actually win a game. Yeah, and I, I think the reason I'm going to pick the Titans in this game is because I don't see the Titans losing to the two worst teams in the NFL back-to-back weeks. I think they're too well-coached for that. I still believe it. I, I've always believed in Mike Brabel as a coach. You know, Ryan Tannehill, he hasn't looked the same without, you know, obviously having A.J. Brown. He, he wasn't really playing well originally, and now he's out. Julio Jones is out. You know, they, they just seem to be the team that's going to be a little bit more depleted this year. But Derrick Henry's still there. And as long as Derrick Henry's there, I don't see the Titans losing to the Broncos, especially with all the distraction that's going on with them. I just think that when you're a new coach in this league, that doing what Urban Meyer did, that that's I don't want to like get into his like his personal life or anything, like what this means for like, you know, like his marriage or something. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, who cares? You know, that that's not for us to talk about, obviously. but. I just think from a from a team perspective, football is one of those sports where as a coach, you're you're a leader of men and you're supposed to preach discipline and you're supposed to preach good decision making and you're supposed to preach being prepared. And there's nothing wrong with going to a bar and having a couple drinks, but to kind of get a little carried away and have that situation that he had, just the optics are horrible, first of all. And I just don't know how you can go back into the locker room and then preach discipline and preach preparedness and get your team ready to play if when when you were the one who after after your team lost again to drop to 0 and 4 they lost in prime time too a game that they could have won and they lost it i just don't know how you can go back and be like okay guys let's get ready for the next game i don't really, i mean this is this is how a coach can lose a locker room and, and obviously losing doesn't help if they're a 4 and 0 team and he gets caught doing that we're probably laughing about it you know and, and nobody cares but they're 0 and 4 so it just kind of magnifies everything so 
And there were already doubts about Urban Meyer coming in. People saying, you know, oh, he's only a good college coach. He doesn't really know how to coach in the NFL. It's just like, you know, all of that just gets magnified now. So there's an, even more pressure on him. You know, yeah, yeah, you got to wonder on what's, you know, wonder, wonder about like what's going on within the organization. You got a really young quarterback. And right now, like the owner of this team is going to pick the young quarterback over the coach because Trevor Lawrence has so much potential and, you know, you can find another coach. I mean, you can find, you know, coaches lining out the door to coach Trevor Lawrence. So from a football perspective, like the, the, the Jaguars have actually, you know, been progressing, you know, somewhat well, they're looking better in these games. You know, they, they, they got up early against the Bengals. I just think from a leadership and coach perspective, I just, I think it's just um, not that, you know, Urban Meyer isn't a good leader. You know, he, he was a great leader at multiple college programs for a long, long time, you know, won a national title with Ohio state. But um, I just think that it's just a different game in the NFL. You know, these are all millionaires. These aren't college kids. It's just, it's just different. You got to be a little bit more casual with these guys. You got to be kind of a cool Sean McVay type of guy. Anyways, enough talk about that. I just don't see the Jaguars winning this game. Titans are going to bounce back and they're going to win. I'm going to go 32 to 16. Watch first takes going to have a, a segment next week. Gledho, and it's going to be like, how does urban buyers marriage affect Trevor Lawrence? Just something stupid like that. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. Like, like, Oh, like, oh, should they have, should they have cut Tebow all along? Like maybe Tebow would have been a good influence. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should, uh, should miss, uh, should miss Myers consider Tebow as a counselor or something like that. <laughs> Just something stupid. I, thought, I saw something earlier today. It was like, it was like a meme post. It was like the Jaguars are re-signing Tim Tebow as a life coach. <laughs> Dude, I, oh my god, I dude! That was so funny. I mean, you it had like that graphic, you know, where it has like you know the, on the side it says Jaguars signed Tim Tebow, and then it has oh the my god, I should have known, bro. With when Urban Myers decided that they were going to sign Tim Tebow, like I should have known that this dude's like philosophy as a coach was just not there anymore. Like he retired as Ohio state head coach for a reason. And then he comes back and he coaches a NFL team that is coming off a one in 15 season with a quarterback with a rookie quarterback who's coming in and, you know, he's a big prospect and, and you're, you're, you're coaching a young team and the organization is just known for being terrible. Like I, I, I should have known that the, the Jaguars were going to be like another, like a laughing stock again. Uh, but they, like, like you said, Gladwell, they did play better. They were up late on that Bengals. They were up pretty big early in that Bengals game. And I, I don't know, I, I I don't need to go into detail about what you said about Urban Myers. I think you kind of nailed it. Everything, you know, with all that drama, there's no way I'm picking the Jaguars to win this game. Urban Myers lost all their trust. I mean, it's not like he even had it anyways. I mean, he looked lost out there trying to coach a game. And I think that's just him showing that he doesn't care for the team. And the team doesn't have lost all the trust in him if, if they didn't have any trust in him, like I said, anyways, but they don't trust him to win the football game. So why would I trust them to win a football game? You know what I mean? This is an easy one for me. I think the Titans are going to win 24 to 14. I don't see this game. I think Derrick Henry has another big game. And if, if, if the Titans lose to the, the Jaguars after all this drama from this past week, we have a problem. Next game, we have a big game right here. This got flexed to the three o'clock game. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be on CBS with Jim and Tony. We have the Cleveland Browns going on the road to play the LA Chargers. Justin Herbert is seven and one record in the last eight games played outstanding on that Monday night football game versus the Raiders. He now has six games with three touchdowns and zero interceptions. That is tied for most by any QB in NFL history in his first two season. And he's only played 19 games. So we talked about how Justin Herbert's a literal freak, man. Chargers look really good. Browns on the other hand, I mean, 
like I said, I've, I've, I've applauded how good they played defensively, but the downfall of the Browns so far is, is going to be Kevin Stefanski out coaching himself and overthinking a lot of things because I have a roommate who's a big Browns fan and we've been watching the Browns games and, you know, watching that, that game versus Minnesota. I mean, they got the win and they're three and one for a reason. They, they, you know, they had that slip up versus Kansas city that week one, it came down to the very end of the game, Baker threw that pick, but you know, the, the Browns are, they're three and one, they're still a good football team, but they've been able to get away with some mind of the Chicago bears game. They've been able to kind of sneak away with some of these wins and some of their games have been closer than expected. I mean, a win's a win, like I said, but it, a, a lot of it is really just being Kevin Stefanski overthinking and out coaching himself because just some of the decisions he's made with Baker and, and, and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And just like, he gets so cute with the play calling. I mean, if you're watching that game versus the Vikings, he was, he was going for so many odd plays that you wouldn't see a normal coach go for, especially in the red zone. Like you have Nick Chubb in the backfield, you have Kareem Hunt in the backfield. Why are you throwing it out of the end zone? Like on first and goal, like run the football, run the football. You know, he was just making some questionable decisions. And I, I really do think that, you know, if it wasn't for some of these questionable decisions, the Browns could be winning these games more comfortably and being, you know, a little bit less stressed. But, you know, I, I just think the Browns need to get OBJ more involved. Baker Mayfield didn't have, a, he had like one of the worst games of his career versus the Vikings. He completed less than half of his passes and one of the worst performances of his career. They're averaging 20 points without Odell, or they're averaging 20 points with Odell as opposed to 30 points a game without him. So they got to find a way to get him involved. And also the Browns got to find a way to get Jarvis Landry and these other guys involved because Kareem Hunt is their leading wide receiver, which is kind of a problem. I, I, I just think Kevin Stavansky needs to stop being such a hero and stop trying to outcoach himself and do what's best for the team. You're three and one. If you make those questionable decisions that you've been making against the Chargers, you're going to lose this game. You, you can't do that. Go back to doing what worked for you last year, running the football, getting Baker Mayfield involved, getting OBJ when he was healthy involved and playing really good defense. Y'all's defense is outstanding. The Browns defense is great. Defensive line is scary. Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, you, you got Jock in there now on the linebacker side. He's a rookie, been playing outstanding. Grant Delpit in the secondary. Th this is a good defense. This is a really good defense. So don't overthink it. You're playing a really good Chargers team. They're going to come ready to play at home. So you guys got to be ready because if you're not, you're going to lose. And, and you could lose by multiple scores if you've been playing like you have been. So this is an exciting game. Chargers are favored by one point. I'm going to take a risk, Gledhill. And I'm going to go with the Browns. I'm going to go with the Browns to win this game. I know you're smiling because I know you're going to pick the Chargers. I just know you're going to do it. I know you're going to do it. And, and the way I've been talking, I probably should pick the Chargers. And if Kevin Stefanski continues to do what he's been doing, then the, the Chargers are going to win this game. And I'm going to regret. I'm going to say, man, I should have just, I just should have just picked them to win that game. But I'm trusting the Browns. I'm trusting them to fix the mistakes that they've been making. And it's not like they're a bad football team. Like I'm kind of shitting on them right now, but they're three and one, right? Like they found a way to win games, but this is a big game right here on the road. I mean, say what you want about the Chargers not homing home field. It's, you're still on the road. I'm going to pick the Browns because I don't like the Chargers run defense. I seeing the Cowboys, how, how effectively they were able to run the ball with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, the Chargers run defense was a little sus. And I think the Browns can run the football down their throat if they get the run game going, but don't get cute, man. Don't get cute. Just do what you need to be doing. Get those receivers involved, run the football and get pressure on Justin Herbert. If you do that, I, cause I saw the Cowboys do it. If you do that, you can win a close game. You can win a close game. 
I don't expect this game to be as high scoring as maybe people would think, but I'm going to take the Browns strictly because of the run game and because I trust their defense. I think that defense has been playing outstanding. The only way they lose this game is if Kevin Stefanski outcoaches himself. That's the only way they lose. Give me the Browns to hang on and win. I guess it'd be an upset because the Chargers are favorite, but I got the Browns, man. I, I, I'm going to trust them and I'm hoping that they don't let me down. So I got the Browns winning 28 to 27. <sighs> well, this is the hardest game to this point that we've picked. I will agree with that. I mean, you know, it's interesting. The Chargers run defense has not been that great this year until last week against the Raiders when they got ahead early and they were able to, you know, force the Raiders to be a little bit more predictable. You know, they weren't able to run the ball nearly with nearly as much success because they had to, you know, Derek Hart to throw to get back in the game. So if the Chargers jump out to another early lead, I'd say it's over. The Chargers are going to win this game. I don't, I, I wouldn't see, I would agree I would, with you. I wouldn't see Baker throwing him back into this game. I just don't think he's that good, to be honest. I, I, I think Baker needs to play a little bit better. Um, this team wins by running the ball, having a good pass rush, and playing overall good defense. But it starts with that pass rush, and their O-line is fantastic still. Man, if Justin Herbert were on the Browns, it'd be easy, right? Because Justin Herbert's the better quarterback, and when in doubt, I always want to pick the better quarterback. Ba- and Baker, Baker did not play good against the Vikings. He really didn't. No, that game was 14 to seven. And, and a lot of people have been concerned that maybe his shoulder might be still banged up because he did hyperextend it in the Texans game. Yeah. Brandon Staley is, the, you know, he's, he's a new head coach for the chargers. He's a defensive guy. He knows what the Browns have to do to win. He knows they're going to come out running the football. And I think their, their defense is going to be prepared for any play action that they run. So for that reason, and the way the chargers are playing right now, I am going to take the chargers in this game. Again, I'm not entirely confident in this pick. I get it. You know, Preston was making the point last week that like Chargers home games really aren't home games, but that's really just against like divisional opponents. That's really, you know, if they're playing, they're playing the Raiders or something, you know, the fans are right there in LA or, or Las Vegas or, um, you know, they're heading up to LA for it. I, I just, I think, I think the Chargers are going to have the home field advantage. And I think Herbert, even though he's like, going up against a really, really good pass rush and Miles Garrett is an absolute stud. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to take the better quarterback. And um, I do think Brandon Staley is a good enough coach to get this defense ready to go. And I think the Browns, they, they might be a little predictable on the offensive side of the ball because they know, you know, everyone knows how the Browns win football games. They have a formula, but maybe formulas become a little predictable after a period of time. So um, give me the Chargers. I'm going to go a weird score. We're going to go 25 to 21. Yeah. yeah, you think I'm confident, bro? Shoot, I have no idea, bro. I, I really, I have no clue. Yeah. yeah, no idea, no idea, bro. Uh, I hope it's a good one, though. I really do. I mean, at the end of the day, I hope no. I hope. Let's just put it this way. I hope one team doesn't get blown out. You know what I mean? I hope it's a close one. Like I would, I, I, I mean, even though I picked the Browns to win, I, I don't, I wouldn't want to see them blow them out. I know my my roommate would absolutely, but <laughs> I would, I wouldn't. I, I want a good game. Next game, we have the Chicago Bears going on the road to play the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas has won two of the last three games versus Chicago. They're going back home to Allegiant Stadium. You know, Matt Nagy has, uh, we talked about him. I mean, he finally made the right decision, Glad Hill. Earlier this week, he said that Andy Dalton was going to be the QB going forward once he got healthy. But then today, he announced officially that Justin Fields will finally be the starting QB from here on out moving forward. So finally made a good decision. Now, I saw this thing on ESPN and it was like, was Matt Nagy a mastermind 
uh, is he a mastermind on offense? Is he a mastermind? And I was like, no, literally the only reason that they looked so good, or I wouldn't say so good, but they looked better offensively versus the Lions was because Bill Lazor was calling the plays, not Matt Nagy. So if Matt Nagy is smart, he lets Bill Lazor call the plays for the remaining of the season with Justin Field as the quarterback, just like he did this past week, just like he did this past week. Now, the NFL has been kind of hard on the Bears because in the power rankings, they have had them at what, like the 29th best team in football. They're not the 29th best team in football. They're not that bad. I would say they're about middle pack. They're not a playoff team. I think Justin Fields is going to you know, need more time. And, and, and their, their O-line and offense just is just really sus. And David Montgomery is now banged up. So we'll see what happens with their backup. But it's uh, they're, they're not that bad. They're, they're still a, I would say they're borderline average, not a playoff team. They're not the 29th best team in football. They're not that bad. I think the Bears will, they'll, they'll, they'll be okay. I, I think they're going to be on the, I think I could see them like a seven and 10 team, six and 11, but in no way is this team. I mean, if you're the 29th best team in football, you're probably going to win about four games at most. And the Bears are just not like that. I mean, they've already won two games. They're two and two. It could be a lot worse, especially with how Matt Nagy has been. Uh, I don't know when he's going to get fired sooner or later, but the, 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 when I saw that whole mastermind thing, that was just dumb. It's like, no, the only reason that they, they looked better was because Bill Lazor was calling the play. So if they're smart, they keep doing that, but you never know with Matt Nagy. I don't know if he's going to make, if he's going to have that decision to be like, okay, we're going to let this guy call the plays because at the end of the day, he's the coach. He's in control of everything. So yeah, Raiders are favored by five and a half, much better football team to this point in the season. Their luck eventually was going to run out. They weren't. They weren't going to go four and zero and beat the Chargers. That just wasn't going to happen. They looked really bad offensively. I will say. I mean, they couldn't get. I mean, but I also credit the Chargers' ability to to as Goodho was saying. You know, stop the run, force them to throw, and make them uncomfortable. And especially since the Chargers' defense going in, at least their run defense wasn't playing all that well. So, Goodho, it's your turn. Who do you got winning this game? I think this could be a trap game for the Raiders. I don't think they're a top 10 team in the league. We can get into that in a, in a separate conversation. They're not. I don't think this team will win the NFC or the AFC West. I think the Chargers have that nod right now um, over the Chiefs, I would say. For now, yeah. I think this is a team that will probably win 10, 11 games, but we'll see. Their defense has looked pretty good to this point until they you know, matched up against you know one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And, you know, one of the better overall offenses in the league. I think their defense will get back on track in this game. My thing is, you know, how's Derek Carr going to perform? Because if, you know, Khalil Mack and company, they get good pressure on him. They force a couple bad decisions and, the you know, sets up the Bears offense in the red zone. You know, they help out Justin Fields by getting him good field position. Maybe... You know, we have a, a lower scoring game where the Bears are, are just in it because they turn they force turnovers. Not they don't have Derek or David Montgomery. I think he's he's gonna be out, right? Yeah, he's out for a while. Yeah, they they yeah, he's gonna be out. Thankfully, it wasn't an ACL tear. They they feared that it might have been, but they said it was just damp it might have been just damage to his MCL, but they still said it might have been structural, so that's not a good thing at all. No, no, it's not. Um, but he's been playing so well. I mean, he was the reason the Bears got up, you know, on the, on the Lions last week so early. I'm going to take the Raiders. I, I think when in doubt, I'm going to go with the home team here. I'm going to take the Raiders 23 to 21. But watch out. I could see the Bears pulling an upset. I just, it's Justin Fields' first, you know, he, it's his first career 
start. No, it's not right. He, he, he's already started. No, no, it was the Browns one was. Uh, it's That's his, right. It's his third. He because he did play against the Lions. So, but I mean, it, it almost feels like it almost feels like it's his first career start. I mean, because now he's officially the starting quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. We'll just have to see. I think I'm going to take the bear. I'm going to, or sorry, I'm going to take the Raiders slightly. 23-21. Yeah, actually, I mean, I'm a little bit. I think it's going to be more one-sided. Personally, I know you're you're you might be a little worried about this one. I'm personally not. You know, if with David Montgomery out, I just don't see how the Bears offensively just get anything going. Uh, and with Justin Fields, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not g- going to predict him to go into the Raiders Stadium and beat them. The Raiders have been playing well. I mean, yes. They did come back to reality a little bit versus the Chargers, but I mean they're still a much better football team than the Bears. And I, I I will say if it if it is a low scoring g- game though, Gledhill, it does benefit the Bears. It definitely does. Um, and and I, I could see you know d- the defensive line you know maybe getting an early turnover and you know maybe a strip sack and maybe you're like oh well maybe the Bears you know Bears you know defense is playing really well maybe maybe they win but no I I, I just I just I, in the end I think the Raiders will pull away and. Over a period of time, I, I just think that that they're they're much better team. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Raiders. I think this game is gonna be a little bit more one sided than you. And no means is it gonna be a blowout, but I I don't think it's gonna be as close as you had it. You had it 23 21. I was gonna say something like 27 to 19 20. Like, but it's probably like closer to like a touchdown. I'll just put it like kind of right in the middle. I'll say the Raiders win 27 to 17. Next game, we have the San Francisco 49ers going on the road to play the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona's won four straight games, longest streak since 2015. 49ers had a tough loss against the Seattle Seahawks. Jimmy G got banged up. And now here comes Trey Lance, Gledhill. I know uh, I know you're excited about that. I know you, you were excited about Trey Lance coming into the draft. Arizona's five-and-a-half-point favorites. What are you going to be looking for with Trey Lance this week? Um, I'm going to see. I want to see how he throws the football. I think that's the main thing is I want to see – how he's able to look for windows and how he finds different weapons and just, uh, just his overall development as a passer. I think that's, uh, something that, you know, we haven't really seen much of so far, um, in his limited playing time, but you know, it's something that if, you know, he's going to get the win over the Cardinals, it's, it's something he's going to have to do. He's going to have to make some, some throws. The fact that this is an NFC West game and the Cardinals are coming off a big win and the 49ers are coming off a division loss. That alone tells me that, um, you know, maybe I want to pick the 49ers in this game, but I don't know. This is so tough. These games are going to get me this year. I, I went one and one in the NFC West games last week, picking the Seahawks, right? Obviously, I don't think, you know, any of us really got the, except for uh, Kyle, right? He picked the Cardinals, but um, yeah, that was ballsy. I don't know if I'm ready to start this game. Do you have, do you have an idea who might win this game? I mean, shoot, now that you're talking about it, I might be a little scared to pick the Cardinals. <laughs> but no, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to, tr- you know what? Since since you're not ready, I'll, I'll go ahead and go, Glidhill. I'll take I'll take it. And I'm not going to overthink it because the second I overthink it is the second I, I start second-guessing myself and then I pick a, a team with any, with any you know without confidence and then it just comes back and biting me in the butt. Not going to do that. I did that all last year, and that's the reason I had a terrible season picking games. So, I try not to overthink too much because it seems like the people who don't overthink do the best when picking games. So, I mean, you made a good point with the Cardinals, the fact that they're so hot and then the 49ers coming off back-to-back losses. It's like 49ers, I mean, they're not two and three. They're not a two and three team at all, but I'm going to go with what my dad has been telling me, Glenn Hill. And my dad has been telling me, don't rely on a rookie QB, not only win his first start, but come in and make a splash his first year. You got to, you got to give it some time. 
So I'm going to pick the Cardinals because of that. Trey Lance, I think he has the ability to, to make some great throws. I've seen him make great throws. And I think this guy's the future for this team. There's no doubt about it. I believe in Trey Lance. I believe in him. But the Cardinals are playing too hot. I'm not going to do it. It's, it's kind of like a situation last week. Like last week, I had no reason to, get to, to pick against the Rams unless they gave me a reason to. Same with the Cardinals. I have no reason to pick against the Cardinals unless they give me a reason to. So expect this game to be closer than people expect, though. Expect it to be closer than people expect. But Cardinals have been able to put up 30 points a game easily. I don't see that changing, even if against if it's against the 49ers defense. So guess what? I'm going to give me the Cardinals. Give me the Cardinals 30 and give me the 49ers 23. They win by like a touchdown. Um, I'm going to take the Cardinals because I think they're going to be able to get pressure on Trey Lance. Their pass rush has been playing a lot better this year. And the 49ers O-line's been a little sus. They allowed six quarterback hits last week. I'm reading right now. Six quarterback hits and two sacks last week. Their O-line's been a little sus. I, th- I think the, the Cardinals are able to get a good pass rush going. They've been playing well on the defensive side of the ball. They got a good secondary. So, I mean, they, I mean, they, yeah, they got some dudes on defense. And Kyler's one of those quarterbacks where, like, he doesn't need – he's so good at moving around and improvising. And, and he's like a younger – he's like a more dynamic – version of Russell Wilson. He might not have like the leadership qualities that Russell Wilson has, but on the field, he's got those qualities, if not, you know, even more so. I mean, he is a, he is a freak athlete. And I think because of that combined with the Cardinals ability to get a pass rush, I think this is a legitimate football team. They're going to move to five and oh, and they're going to win this game 31 to 27. Yeah. Anytime you have an NFC West showdown and I want to see Trey Lance, man, I mean, this this actually might be my most anticipated game of the week, Gledhill. It might not be the best game of the week because, I, I mean, there's some games. There's a lot of games I want to see. I definitely want to see the Browns and the Chargers. I want to be tuning into that one. And then, of course, I'm going to be watching the Cowboys. I mean, why wouldn't I want to watch the Cowboys whoop the Giants' ass, right? But, no, I mean, this one is probably my most anticipated just because Trey Lance is starting and because Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are red hot, man. Oh, by the way, Gledhill, did you did you see what the uh, the Rams GM said about Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson? I actually missed it. It was like via Sh- Coach McVay show. So I'm guessing Sean McVay has like a podcast or something. I don't know. But anyways, he uh, he said Kyler and Russell Wilson can go play baseball. They got paid more in baseball, right? Why would you want to play football? He was like making the joke because I guess they were asking him about like playing the the Rams or the the Cardinals and the Seahawks back to back. So I thought that was kind of funny, but. We both got the Cardinals. Let's go ahead and move on. We only got a couple more games to go. Three more to go. Another another tough one, Gladhill. I mean, maybe maybe not tough for some people, but I think it's going to be tough for me. Sunday night football, the Buffalo Bills going on the road to play the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a rematch of the 2020 AFC Championship game. I mean, and they even played last year in a, in a game in Buffalo, which the, the conditions weren't the best, but the Chiefs ended up winning that game. I remember watching that game, and that was that was weird. It was weird seeing that game without fans. Like in Buffalo, like it, it was, it was really weird. This time it's an arrowhead. Chiefs have been struggling. Their defense cannot stop anybody to save their life. That's really been their downfall. I, I, I do think that, yeah, Mahomes has made some crucial interceptions and he's, you know, maybe he's not playing as good as he wanted to starting the season. But Gledhill, you were talking about how their roster is just not as good as it was in previous years. And, you know, that may be the case, but I really just think it's their defense. Their defense cannot stop a fly, man. I mean, you you even watched that Eagles game. They just couldn't make a stop against the Eagles. And the only reason they won that game is because one, Andy Reid is obviously going to coach out coach Nick Sirianni, but also 
the Chiefs are, are going to outscore the Eagles 10 out of 10 times. Like that, that game turned into a shootout, but it turned into the Chiefs winning pretty convincingly. And that's because they were just out, able to outscore them in the end of the game. So, you know, the Chiefs, the Chiefs looked really good against the Eagles. I mean, you know, going out there and putting up 40 Tyreek Hill on a monster game. This is a, this is a tough game to pick. And, and obviously the, the easy pick would be Buffalo just because Buffalo right now, in my opinion, Buffalo is the best team in the AFC. I, I think that's, you know, definitive right now. You know, they, they have the best point differential. They're coming off the back-to-back shutouts. They're so well coached. I mean, Josh Allen keeps getting better. They have trailed just 11 minutes all season, which is absolutely insane. And obviously they slipped up against in week one against the Steelers, but we all know how that game go, would go now if they played. If they played right now against the Steelers, we all know how that game would go. We all know that the Bills will win that game easily. So the Bills right now, in my opinion, are the best team in the AFC. And I might take them over the Cardinals as the best team in football, at least right now. Just because of experience, I think the Bills are the best team in my power rankings right now. So the spread in this game, Kansas City, Gledhill, is favored by three. Even after everything that's been going on so far, I know you're making that face. Kansas City is favored by three. And you know what, Gledhill? You have been making me pick these games first, so it's your turn. You, I'm putting all the pressure on you. Who do you got? I'm not going to overthink it. I'm taking who I think is the best team in football right now. I'm taking the Buffalo Bills. The way their offense has been playing, holy cow. It honestly does not matter. I think their defense is pretty solid, too. But it does not matter the way their offense is playing right now. The way you know, it, the way jo- Josh Allen is playing out of his mind. I'd say right now he's probably the MVP. It, it might be a debate between him and Kyler, but I'd say right now Josh Allen is probably the MVP. I mean, I, I'm ignoring the Steelers' loss because that was just a weird Week One game. You know, I just don't. I don't think that's you know indicative of what the Bills really are. And I think people after that first game, they're like, oh, the Bills are gonna they're gonna have a they're going to regress this year. They're going to disappoint everyone, you know, and that just hasn't been the case. They're clearly the best team in the AFC East. I think they're the best team in football. I mean, you can make an argument between a couple teams, but I think they're the best team in football. And like I said it last week when I was picking the Rams, I had no reason to pick against the Rams until they, they lost and they, they went out and played flat, but I couldn't have predicted that they were going to come out and look flat. I didn't, I didn't think that was going to happen. So and maybe that's more of a credit to the Cardinals because the, the Cardinals kind of have a sneaky defense a little bit. They're a little underrated, I think. The Chiefs, you know, I think we know what they are a little bit more. We know that their roster is not as great. I saw red flags on their roster, you know, when I was making the season predictions. So I said, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be safe. I'm going to pick them to win the AFC West, but like it's going to be close. Like they may win the division by a game over the Chargers. And now it's looking like, you know, I think they'd be lucky to win this. They win the AFC West, the way the Chargers are looking. You got Denver, the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders are playing so well still. I mean, you just don't know. So I'm going to be really excited once we get to like the Chiefs Raiders games, you know, and like Chiefs Broncos. And like those are going to be some weird games to pick. Those, those might be a little tough. But um, in this game, I'm going to pick the Bills. I just have no reason to pick against them. I got kind of a weird score. I'm going to go 35 to 29. I'm going to go Bills beat the Chiefs by six which is a pretty solid victory for them. And yeah, like I said, I just have no reason to pick against them. Yeah. If you think I trust the Chiefs defense to make any stops in this game to Buffalo, you're absolutely insane. Give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game. I agree with the 100% you said, Gledhill. 
You know, I was I was thinking about it, Glenn. I was thinking about it. You know, I was going into this game and I'm like, you know what? Buffalo is clearly the better team right now. And the way that they've been playing, there's absolutely no way you could possibly, and with the way the Chiefs defense has been playing, there's absolutely no possible way you could pick the Kansas City Chiefs. But then I was thinking, well, maybe that's why you would pick the Chiefs because everyone is expecting the Bills to win this game. Everyone is expecting the Bills to go in there and put up 30 points a game easily on them. So maybe that'd be a better reason to just pick Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to find a way to, to get it done. But I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it. I'm not falling for it. I'm not falling for it. Buffalo is playing outstanding. I don't see any reason how the Chiefs' defense stops them. I, I really don't see any reason how that happens. So for that reason, I'm going to take the Bills in a nice, fun, exciting game. I'm going to say that the Bills, you said the Bills win by six. I got pretty close, Gledhill. I'll say the Bills win 35-30 to 30 by five points. It's going to be a fun one. You know, shoot, if the Chiefs win, then are they back? Would you say that they're back if they win this game? Because I, I would say they're back, even despite how the defense plays. I think you'd still consider them to be a top 10 team. And that's just because they have the best quarterback coach duo in the league. And that's going to be able to elevate them to victories that, you know, some teams with better rosters are just not going to be able to get. So I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to win this game. You know, the bills, you know, they're, they still might be considered a younger team. Josh Allen's still a younger quarterback. I, I just, I just, I think the bills are, are the, are the best bet right now. And I think they're going to be ready to go. And I have no reason to pick against them. Like I said, so I'm not going to. Fair enough. Well, let's move on then. Monday Night Football, we have the Indianapolis Colts going on the road to play the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, 7-0, uh, only QB since 1970 with five-plus starts on zero losses in October. So, wow, that's interesting to note there. Really good October record. Baltimore is favored by seven points. Indianapolis finally got their first win against Miami. Their defense looked better. Carson Wentz hasn't played terrible but he also hasn't done anything crazy either uh, Baltimore, dude how about john harbaugh bro did you did you see what they did they were they they, they had a uh, record where it was they had 42 coming going into that denver game they had 42 straight games with 100 plus rushing yards and it, it looked like they weren't going to be able to get the record like the game was over but then the, the broncos threw a pick in the end zone to anthony avert with drew lock did and that gave the ravens three seconds to run one last play and instead of taking the knee, they decided to be assholes and and they decided to run it with Lamar. And they did like a, you know, the, all they needed was three yards. So they ran to the, to, you know, Lamar Kepti, who ran three yards to the outside and slid and they got it. So they now have 43 straight games with 100 plus rushing yards that ties uh, the 1974 through 1977 Steelers for the longest streak ever. I expect them to break that this this week against the Colts. I think Lamar has is, is elevated himself as a passer. And honestly, uh, I think this is a pretty easy one for me. I think the Ravens are just a much better team offensively. Uh, defensively, it's close. I think the Colts are built as a defensive team. Maybe the Colts might be a little better defensively, but I like the Ravens. I, I think the Ravens played a really good defense. You know, they, they had a big test against Denver and they, they passed all those tests. Marquise Brown had an awful game versus Detroit, but he made up for it and had a big game versus the Broncos. And the Broncos defense is absolutely no joke. They are elite. And so, you know, I, I would say the Colts defense is probably a little bit worse than the Broncos. And I don't think the Ravens will have problems scoring points. I, I don't think I don't think they'll have problems scoring points at all. And I expect the Ravens to win pretty comfortably, honestly. I, I see this game actually kind of being one sided. Uh, so I'm going to say that the Ravens win 32 to 20. Who do you got? I just don't have a reason to have a ton of faith in the Colts right now. My faith in Carson Wentz has diminished every single week, pretty much. 
Um, I think I was high on them going into the season. I actually picked the Colts to win the AFC South. Don't know about that anymore. I mean, I, I don't even know who the who the best team in that division is. It's looking pretty bad. But I think the AFC South is the worst division in football. Absolutely. I will, uh, yeah, they're the worst division in football. NFC least, no longer a thing. In this game, I'm going to take the Ravens. I just um, I could see the Col- I could see the Colts pulling off the upset. It wouldn't completely shock me, but you know, in Baltimore, I just um, I just don't see it happening. So yeah, you can go whenever you want. Well, I think right before it cut out, I pulled what we call um, the Gledhill Jinx. Oh God! And I switched my pick, and I'm going to actually pick the Colts in this game. I think the fact that they're one and three, I think they're a better team than that. They have some healthy receivers that are pretty decent. You know, I think Michael Pittman's pretty good. Zach Pascal, I think Jack Doyle can step up and have a big game. Jonathan Taylor at running back. Paris Campbell underneath. And then their defense, you know, I think they can make enough plays. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and take a big upset in this game. And I'm going to go with the Colts to win on Monday night football over the Ravens. I know this is crazy to you, but I, I'm confident in this one. I really am. Um, so go off, tell me how wrong I am. Tell me how terrible my pick is, but I am locking in right now. Colts beat Ravens 27 to 26. Boom. The, what I'm not understanding is you said, I think the fact that they're one and three, like you're, you're trying to say like they're due for a win. Gledhill, they were zero and three. They were due for a win. They got that win. Okay. But now it's over. Now it's over. Now they're playing the Ravens and now they're going to lose. That's how I think of it. All right, man, dude, this, this, you are crazy, bro. You're crazy, man, with your your jinx crap, bro. I, I love it. So the only one we have differently, we have that one. We have the Browns and the Chargers. We have the Broncos and the Steelers. And I think that's it. Yeah. So not too, not too much different this week. Me and you have been pretty close for the most part. But we got the last game here. Let's go ahead and finish it off. The Dallas Cowboys are at home. They're playing the New York Giants. Dallas has won seven of the last game versus New York. And they lost the, I mean, that one game was actually week 17 or last year against the, uh, the giants, which Andy Dalton was actually starting. And you want to hear something crazy here, Glenhill? The Cowboys are playing the giants at home week five in October. You know what happened last time that they played week five in October at home? Dak Prescott broke his leg. This is Dak Prescott's uh, ankle game right here, man. This is it. One year later. Same team at home in October. Now, obviously, I'm so glad to see how far Dak has come since then. I mean, he's an elite quarterback. He's playing outstanding. The team trusts him. The coach trusts him. Our defense is playing outstanding. I mean, the Cowboys, like for once in a while, they they look like they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And that's not an exaggeration. Like they're better literally everywhere, everywhere. The only thing that is going to stop them from really competing in the playoffs is going to be Mike McCarthy. It's going to be him. So he's got to be able to let Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott run this team. Let them run the team. It's great to see the Ezekiel Elliott's back. He's been running the football great. Pollard, you have, having to worry about him, having to plan for, for all these guys. And, and the fact that Michael Gallup, Lyle Collins, all those guys have been out. And we're still able to finding ways to win games. And, and, and they, we look damn good doing it too. So the Cowboys have impressed me. All bias aside, they look like one of the best football best football teams right now. And you can't even argue that. Trayvon Diggs continues. Five interceptions in four games. Outstanding. 
I mean, just look at some of the, the receivers he's locked up. Mike Evans, three targets, one catch, 10 yards. Keenan Allen, six targets, three catches, 94 yards, and a pick. Devontae Smith, four targets, two catches, nine yards, and a pick. He had two picks against Sam Darnold. This guy is the real deal. Micah Parsons, the real deal. Now, the only thing I need to address before I pick this game is how is the whole Jalen Smith thing. I, and I don't want to go too much into detail about it because I really don't need to. I think a lot of people aren't mad that we released him. They're more mad because the timing of it, which I understand. I mean, he's a great locker room guy. You know, his story is, is really special. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, was supposed to be a top five, top 10 draft pick and coming out of college and he messed up his knee and he had really bad injuries and, you know, he fell. His draft stock completely plummeted, but the Cowboys took a chance on him and they, you know, they sat him out for a year and he comes back and, you know, they ease him back in and he ends up being a Pro Bowl uh, linebacker. So he was a very special player at one time, but then he just started losing all his sideline to sideline speed. He started missing holes. He started missing gaps and, and, and he really wasn't the same player. This was long overdue. I mean, he was going to be released after the season anyways. I mean, you know, a lot of people say, well, why not try to trade him? Why not try to trade him? They did try to trade him. They tried to trade him, but with his current contract, nobody wanted to take the bait on it and I don't blame it. So, I mean, he was getting paid too much money. I watched a segment on Colin Cowherd saying that the Cowboys have in the past paid good players, great money. And Jalen Smith was one of those guys and they did a good job letting him go. And, you know, I, I'm rude for the guy. I mean, he's getting, he got picked up by the Packers, so he wasn't going to have a problem signing with anybody, but you know, Dallas frees up nothing in this year's salary cap. But according to the move that the Cowboys 5 million in cap space in the 2020 season, Jalen also had an injury guaranteed worth 9.2 million for next season, which the Cowboys wanted to back out of. So that was also another reason. Yeah. Maybe the timing wasn't the best, but it's time to move on. And, and sometimes you have to do that. Jalen Smith had no business being on the team anymore. He really didn't. He's our worst linebacker. And yeah, maybe you keep him as a backup, but I mean, the only thing he is at this point is a good locker room guy. I mean, I wish him the best, but you know, I don't think you should look at this team and think of this as a negative impact. You know, Dan Quinn has done a great job moving guys around, changing the schemes and developing young stars. So I trust what Dan Quinn's doing. Y'all should trust Dan Quinn's he's doing. If you like Jalen Smith as a person, and you're going to miss him. I don't blame you. I'm going to miss him too. He was a great guy, but it's a business, man. It's a business and I'm glad he found a new home, but we were going to move on eventually and he was getting paid too much money and he wasn't producing. So yeah, maybe the timing was a little off, but I don't think it was a bad move at all. And I don't think this negatively infects our, our team at all. So that's all I'm going to say about the Jalen Smith thing. Wish him the best onto this game. Cowboys are favored by a touchdown. Glad Hill, I always start the Cowboys game last. Do you have anything to say about Jalen Smith? And who do you got winning this game? No, I think you made a great point about the whole you know Jalen Smith thing. I think it was just, like you said, it was long overdue. I think this kind of sets the tone for the Cowboys going forward. We're not going to you know hang on to guys because we, we like them as people necessarily. We're, we're, we're friendly with them or... You know, we're going to hang on to the best player, the, the players that are best for this team going forward. And, uh, you know, at this point, you know, the way our defense is playing, he's just not going to be a part of our future on, on the defense side of the football. And that's that's no knock against Jalen Smith. I just think uh, it was best for both parties to move on. I'd say in this game, I mean, you know, I think any reasonable person would take the Cowboys the way they're playing right now. I don't see a world where the Giants win this game. I mean, it is a division game. I think it could be closer than people think. If it ends up being like a 27-24 type of game, it wouldn't shock me. 
But I mean, I, I mean, Trayvon Diggs is going to take what Kenny Galladay. I think he's going to be able to take him pretty well. So I believe I believe in the pieces we have on defense. I believe in in, in this offense. I, I think we're going to score plenty of points against the Giants. We show that we were able to score thirty six against the Panthers. I think we'll score 30 against the Giants. I think it's safe to say, and I don't think we're going to allow 30 to them. So I think this is uh, going to be like a 34 to 24 type of win for the Cowboys. Feeling pretty confident in it. So I'll let you give your thoughts on this game. Yeah, so obviously I respect that it's a division game, so I respect that the score will, prob- will probably be closer than people think. But at the same time, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick against the Cowboys the way that they're playing. And I and if you're a Cowboys fan, you should be pretty confident that they that they're the much better team and they should win this game. I mean, Dak Prescott. As of right now, he is fifth odds of winning MVP right now. Ten touchdowns, two picks, completing 75% of his passes, playing outstanding. The only person who's completing more passes than him is actually the MVP frontrunner in Kyler Murray. So Dak Prescott still has a chance to win MVP, playing outstanding. And, I mean, the Cowboys offense continues to roll. 31.5 points per game. That ranks fourth in the NFL. Yards per game, they're averaging 420 which is third, and they're tied for first in point difference, turnover differential, and op- opponent's total QBR is 43, which is third in the NFL. So I, I expect them to give Daniel Jones a lot of problems. I do think Daniel Jones can give us problems in terms of running the football because, I mean, they they do oppose that threat to where if, Sa- if we stop Saquon, okay, well, then Daniel Jones, if he doesn't see anything, he's done a better job this year of not turning it over. He's just, he's learning how to run it more. So put a spy on him, you know, watch for that. I think they will. I, I trust Dan Quinn in this defense. I think our, I just think we're much better than the Giants. And I, I think we're going to find a way to run away with this game. If we get off to like a, a 14 to zero lead in the first quarter, like I would be pretty comfortable that it, it would be a blowout. You know, if it's closer in the first half too, and then you know, we come out, maybe we go up by a touchdown, then, you know, maybe we explode in the third quarter again, like we did against the Panthers. But no matter what, the only way I would be like concerned is if it's like, it's tied, like with a couple minutes to go and the Giants have the ball, or maybe they're up by like a field goal and we have to go win the game. Like, yeah, okay. Maybe you get a little concerned because those division games, you never know. But though, if you just feel out the game and, and the Cowboys can score with ease and, you know, they're able to make some you know, key stops, maybe force a little bit of turnovers on Dan and Jones, make some mistakes, then you should be pretty confident the Cowboys are going to hang on. So I'm going to say that the Cowboys get glad. I'm actually going to match your score. Exactly. You said 34 to 24, lock it in. I got it too. I got it 34 to 24. So Cowboys improved to four and one and proved that they are the best team in that division. You got anything else said at glad Hill? Cause if not, I am uh, I'm excited for this weekend. No, I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good week and enjoy some football. Peace out.